and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The Kuehl Show. I am your host, as always, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kuehl. And guys, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, you thought last weekend was a crazy weekend. I'm talking before last week's show. I'm talking this weekend, guys. Holy moly, guacamole, whack-a-mole, was this a crazy past week of hockey. And we're going to get to all of it today at some point or another. We're going to touch on everything, guys. We're going to talk Seattle Kraken. We're going to talk the NHL draft and the chaos that ended there. We are going to hit on everything, signings, trades, discussions, rumors, Elliot Friedman's beard. It's all going to happen today on The Kewl Show here on 12-Ounce Sports. And of course, as always, you're watching us on 12-Ounce Sports, which means you're watching us on the YouTube, on the Facebook, on the Twitter, and on Zingo TV, possibly. If you ever want to check out Zingo TV, 12-Ounce Sports isn't the only network on there. So much other great content on there. Check them out. Use the promo code 12-Ounce. That's the number one, the number two, the letter O, and Z or Z for you improper English users to sign up for free on Zingo TV. But before we get too far into this show, we must thank our awesome sponsors that make this show possible, including mybookie.ag down there in the corner. Mybookie.ag, guys, you can bet on just about every single sport there is known to me, except for Little League Baseball, apparently. Found that out when I tried to bet on the Little League World Softball Regionals. You can't do it. Can't bet on kids, apparently. However, you can bet on all the legal stuff, which includes baseball, Olympics, which I got on right now. We got a tape-delayed game. It's Poland and Italy. They're in the third set. I don't know how it ends, so don't spoil it for me. Poland up two sets to O against the Italians. And you can bet on Olympics. You can bet on WNBA when they start up after the Olympics. You can bet on the CONCACAF Gold Cup semifinals and finals. Guys, Canada back in it for the first time in the semifinals since 2007, taking on Mexico. Qatar, the country that will be hosting the 2022 World Cup, is taking on the Americans, both those matches on Thursday. You can bet on them for free if you want as well. If you use the promo code 12OUNCESPORTS, if you don't know what it is, just look down there in the corner. It just it says it right there. And for you people that are listening on your favorite podcatcher, if you don't know how to spell 12 ounce, because I just spelled it earlier, and if you don't know how to spell sports, why are you listening to this right now? I are on 12 ounce sports here, the Kula Show. And of course, as always, on my laptop, up in the corner, second string leather company, hashtag crafted from the crease. Guys, the 50% off wallet sale is still going on now, but not for long though. So get on the awesome deals, get your awesome waffle board wallets. I keep forgetting to bring my wallet in here to show you guys how awesome this stuff is. Because there is so much cool stuff going on there on secondstringleather.com. Make sure you check them out, guys. Hashtag crafted from the crease and get your awesome stuff from SSLC. Hashtag SSLC. You can do that too. Hashtag SSLC, secondstringleathercompany.com. Hashtag crafted from the crease. So in about 25 minutes and change, Peyton Turnage, Penalty Box Radio and free agent play-by-play broadcaster, be joining me because we're going to get into a lot of more of this stuff that we're going to talk about here today when we get into it because there's a lot of stuff that I don't want to go too far into because hey he's a fun guy to chat with he's always a fun guy to bring on the show of course and you know we love talking hockey I remember I texted him because it's weird because I'm going to make this I'm going to say this the nicest way possible Peyton is always up for coming on the show most of the time I say most of the time the reason why, kids, is because 
he, I texted him yesterday, hey, you want to come and complain about hockey tomorrow? And he's like, absolutely. And that was one thing I knew. I knew right away that he'd be cool for the show simply because of the fact that he said, absolutely. I'm like, yes, this is going to be awesome, which means we're going to lose our minds over whatever. Because there's a lot that happened this weekend. By the way, hello to all of our friends there on Instagram Live. The Seattle picks, the Seattle expansion draft, I will say this. And like I said, we're going to get into this with Peyton Turnage in a little bit. I did not watch the actual expansion draft. But Tyler, I thought you said you were a hockey fan. Uh, yes, kids, that's why we do this show on a consistent weekly basis, even in the summertime. Could be out having a nice day at the pool or whatever, out at the beach. I decided to do this show because, well, talking hockey is more fun and fairly therapeutic, believe it or not, especially when I'm not broadcasting. So broadcasting like play-by-play broadcasting. This is obviously broadcast. You know what I mean, kids. But I did not watch it simply because of the fact that, listen, guys, everyone knew the picks beforehand. And this is not a, I'm not, we're not going to, and of course, Frank Saravelli was outstanding, but I'm not getting at Frank, not going to get at my buddy Frege, not going to get on, you know, CJ for tweeting the stuff out because guess what, kids? It's their job to be the insiders. Hence why I myself am the insider of the insiders because I don't know the people that they know that know the stuff. Hence why they're the, the insiders. I'm just a guy that relays their stuff to, for you here on 12 on Sports. So that said, there's a couple picks that I was I was looking at and I thought to myself, you know, it's it's strange because a lot of people were coming at them and screaming, oh my gosh, this pick sucks. This pick is awful. Because remember, kids, when we did the expansion draft, the mock expansion draft here on the Cule Show last week, we went about $6 million over budget. That's because we picked the likes of Vladimir Tarasenko. I picked Jonathan Quick like an idiot. All these guys I picked. And you have to remember, though, you're not going to build your entire team based on the 31 or 30 players that you pick. You can't do that because that means you only have 30 players. And yes, you dump a few, obviously, to free agency and whatnot, but you can't do that and expect to have a quality hockey team. Seattle has a lot of cap space right now. Let's go over to our good friends at Cap Friendly. I had their tab pulled up for this very specific reason. Seattle with New Jersey, Detroit, and Buffalo. Of course, they have to still have to sign a lot of players. Qualifying offers came out today. By the way, some news in Buffalo we'll get to a little bit later on as well. The Seattle Kraken have the fourth lowest salary cap at the moment. As of right now, they have a grand total of a little over $30.7 million in cap space remaining. That's awesome, obviously, for them because, hey, they have room to play with. Now, granted, yes, is this a full team? Eh, Not entirely. Don't forget, they don't technically have any non-rostered players. They only have a few. They have guys like Cole Lind, John Quinville, who they got from Chicago. That's going to be a guy that they're going to probably throw down there as well. Kale Fleury, they have listed as a minor leaguer as well. Joey Decord from Ottawa, Interesting pick because Joey Decord, by the way, former Muskegon Lumberjack Joey Decord, that's not a bad pickup if you ask me, simply because of the fact that he's a good young goaltender and you want goaltenders in your system, i.e. look at look at Vegas their first year. Maxon Legassi played in the NHL, guys, and I get it. He's a good goaltender, he's a solid goaltender. He's not an NHL goaltender, but there he was playing big minutes because of injury. So, Seattle realized, hey, we may not need 100 goaltenders, but let's pick a good chunk. There are other, th- other two that they picked, Chris Drieger, who they actually signed. 
That was in a move, uh, three beers, $3.5 million. And Vitek Vanacek, who is one more year on his current RFA deal. He's going to be an RFA after next season, a little over 700 grand cap hit for the former Washington Capitol goaltender. And this may come up when we talk with Peyton a little bit, but let's get into the goaltenders here. Chris Drieger, uh, just the way things ended last season in Florida, he found himself on the outside looking in. And I say to my, and you say, why, Tyler? He played so well during the regular season. It was a big part of why Florida was the number two team in the Central Division. You are correct, folks at home. Give yourselves a pat on the back. However, look at the goaltenders that Florida has with Drieger in it. Chris Drieger, yes, he had a great breakout year last year. Who knows if he's able to make it happen again. But the other two goaltenders that were in there, Sergei Bobrovsky, who's making way too much money, obviously, now the way he plays, and Spencer Knight, former Mike Richter award winner, Spencer Knight, who is showing that, hey, he can be a guy that can play now. And also, cheap contract, given everything that is going on, because he's still, I believe he's still involved in his ELC. I did not pull up his number yet. Let me go over to the Florida Panthers page as I right-click, open link in new tabs. So I don't lose my Seattle page. And Spencer Knight has got two more years on his ELC, making the max 925. Obviously, as we see with Chris Drieger being signed for three and a half mil, I would rather pay three and a half mil or 925 for a good, young, promising Spencer Knight, who, albeit playing only two games last year in the playoffs, we saw how good John Gibson is after his little start off in the postseason a few years back with the Anaheim Ducks. I get it, kids. He's not playing well right now, but look at the team in front of him. But you don't want to have 14 million, almost 14 mil wrapped up in two goaltenders because Bob's making 10 a year. Whereas you have Drieger now making three and a half. So I don't know if Drieger was going to get anything more than three the way he played last year, just because Bill Zito realizes, hey, I don't have this much money to give as of right now, especially with buyouts that they have, given the fact that they are still paying for Scott Darling's buyout and now they're paying for Keith Yandel's buyout. Oh, and also they have a few million dollars wrapped or have one more year of paying. Uh, Roberto Luongo's recapture penalty, a little over a million dollars. They only have one more year of that. They only have $6.3 million remaining. Now, I should say this because the developing trade here, Anton Strawman going to the Arizona Coyotes. So scratch what I just said about the 6.3, add another $5.5 million. Let me see if I can quick pull this up for you folks here. And I had it pulled up for a second and I lost it. Darn it. Where's my buddy Freej at? Let me see if I can find Friedman here on Twitter. And Fridge, thank you, buddy, for popping up first, because then again, we see all the time. So Florida, Arizona deal is Anton Stroman, Vladislav Kolnichinok. I probably said that wrong, kids, but I'm going to go with it. Uh, 52nd overall pick a couple years ago in 2019, and a second in 2024 goes to Arizona for a seventh in 2023. So Florida gains a pick. Loses Cap and Strawman, which is a five and a half. Only one more year on that, by the way. And Florida gets one draft pick in later because Strawman had approval because he, make sure I had to say this right before I sound like a fool. Strawman did have a modified no trade clause, which means he submitted a 16 team no trade list. Now, funny how Arizona wasn't on there, but that's why these no trade lists are so dumb because you would think players would be like, I want a six-team trade list. Like, I only can get traded to these six teams. That's how I would think. If I if I ever made it, to, if I made it to the show, that's how I would do it because I'd want something a little bit more favorable in my eyes. But back to the goaltending here. 
Chris Drieger was never going to get the right amount of money, even though now there's a little bit more cap space for the Florida Panthers, who, like many other teams, have inquired on a guy by the name of Jack Eichel. We'll get to that story in a little bit later on here when we talk with Peyton Turnage, because eventually we're going to have to bring Jordan DeShane back from the hockey writers to get his take on what in the blue blaze and you know what is going on in Buffalo right now, because Sammy Reinhart was one of the big trades that happened over the weekend. Reinhart going up, excuse me, going down to Florida from Buffalo. Devin Levi going to Buffalo. Devin Levi, by the way, former World Junior goaltender for Canada. Okay, he's going to have a shot to play him and Oh, man, him and Uka Pekalukin and being the goaltenders there in Buffalo. A couple of young World Junior veterans, if you will, up there in upstate New York. But anyways, back to the story at hand here. Seattle, listen, I, I like the way they picked. A couple were confusing, I'll admit. But for the most part, you can't get mad at the way they picked. I believe I went over half correct, though, on my picks. I will say this. Uh, they did pick Adam Larson, who was a UFA, and they signed him to a four-year, $4 million extension. LA, they got Curtis McDermott, who no one really thought of. Carson Soucy was not my pick with the Minnesota Wild. That was Pat Micheletti's suggestion. He didn't really make a full-scale pick. Just remember that, kids. But Carson Soucy was someone that he was, they were very interested in, and not a bad move at all. And they get another solid defenseman. They have two pretty good goaltenders, Vitek Vanacek, who started by the way, for the Washington Capitals in the playoffs. Remember why he didn't play, though? Because he forgot to stretch during the postseason, or before the postseason, before that first game against Boston. Paul's groin was done. We'll get to more of them as we go on, like I said. A couple I do want to focus on, though. Mason Appleton from Winnipeg. This was a big one here because, remember, Paul Stasny was available. They had a couple of back on the back end that they could have picked. He, they picked Mason Appleton. Tough guy to lose, no question about it, if you are the Winnipeg Jets, though. Because Mason Appleton, Johnny Appleseed, as I like to call him, very hardworking player, very dynamic player as well. A guy that can play both ends of the ring, can score, but is also a reliable player in his own zone. And Seattle is trying to, they half their guys, though, are big dudes. <laughs> Let's just say that. This is not going to be a small team. I, don't, I think they had, what, one or two guys that were under five foot? Maybe Jordan Everly being one of them. I can't remember how tall he is off the top of my head. But they went size, did Seattle in the expansion draft. They got a couple of good ones as well. I mean, of course, the big one that everyone's looking at outside of, you know, the, the Drieger signing and Susie maybe, but that is Mark Giordano, the captain of the Calgary Flames. No more. He is a Seattle Kraken. He was even there for the for the announcement. He was wearing the sweater. And some people are like, they're going to flip him. Like, why would you flip a guy after you literally gave him a sweater to wear and all of a sudden, yeah, we're going we're gonna to put you in all the pictures, all the promo shots of us in the new sweaters. By the way, it looked pretty neat. I may have to get myself one if I get a decent pay raise this Christmas, but we'll have to wait and see. But love the new sweaters and love the move to get Giordano. Yes, it is a big cap hit. It is for a short time, though. And this is why I said why I picked Giordano as well. Experience. Experience, veteran status, former captain, a guy that... You know, Seattle may not put the Siena guy right away, i.e. Vegas, but why wouldn't you? I mean, if, if there's a guy to do it, it's Mark Giordano. It's a different situation. Yes, he would love to have stayed in Calgary instead, but, you know, it's a different chance for him to start something new. You know, I, a guy that's well-established, a guy like Scott Mellenby, who came on to the Florida Panthers as an established NHLer, did all right. I mean, does he want to be there? 
Probably not. He's not going to say that out loud, though. He's going to work hard, and there's going to be a lot of young players in this hockey club, and we have to wait to see what they do more with free agency because they get Seattle gets first dibs on the free agents that they have not picked. So can't wait to see what they do there. I don't know what the ceiling will be, though, for Seattle's free agent work. That's what's going to make everything exciting here because I was listening to 31 Thoughts today, and we're going to talk a little bit about that as well with Peyton here in about 10 minutes' time. I enjoy the thought, the little bit of a tidbit of you know, Jeff Merrick through to Elliot Friedman and said, what about Jack Eichel going to Seattle? The question is, what would you have to give up? Because Kevin Adams seemingly, despite being fleeced for Taylor Hall, he did a pretty good job on a good return for Sam Reinhart, got a pretty solid return for Rasmus Ristolainen as well. And he seemed to be holding firm on a Jack Eichel return as well. Because I'll be it. I'm sure every GM that he's talked with, that Kevin Adams of the Buffalo Sabres has talked with, he has said, yes, I know, the neck problem. But it's Jack Eichel. Because it's almost like a daily swing. One day it's, all right, Buffalo starting to work well with Jack Eichel. The next day it's Jack Eichel is going to the Rangers or going to the Kings. It's it's back and forth with Jack Eichel, this Jack Eichel saga. I mean, are, are we seriously, guys, looking at a possibility of an Eric Lindros holdout here? For those that don't remember, now, granted, this was a much different injury that Jack Eichel has compared to Eric Lindros. Eric Lindros got de- almost decapitated by Scott Stevens in Game 7 of the 2000 Eastern Conference Finals. Jack Eichel just had a very bad neck problem, which could also kind of hinder his career. Because let's be honest, after Eric Lindros eventually set out the year and got traded to the New York Rangers, his career is not the same. Now, yes, kids, I do know that Eric Lindros did win a gold medal with the 2002 Salt Lake Canadians. But, pardon me, Canadians in Salt Lake City, 2002 Olympic Games. That's what I meant to say. Not the Salt Lake Canadians, because that would be a very weird name. It'd be like calling them, oh, yes, here we have the, the Cancun Venezuelans. No, that's not No, that's not how it works. But anyways, what I'm saying is, are we going to see a guy hold out for an entire year just because he doesn't want to play, because the team doesn't want to work with him for his medical safety, because that's why Lindros sat out, remember. Bobby Clark tore him, in, tore him a new one in the in the press. Eric Lindros wanted nothing to do with it. By the way, hello, QLQuest. Shout out there for jumping in the chat with us here today. I wonder what the deal is going to be. I mean, does Jack? because Jack Eichel just does not seem like he wants to be there anymore. I get it. What well, we've heard from his agent, they said they're close to a deal. They're close to an agreement. What agreement? You got to get definitive here if you want to keep Jack Eichel. Going back to Seattle here. Seattle has a few small pieces they could pick up. I know Cole Lynn's not going to be the make or break prospect, but Kevin Adams with the hauls that we've seen in these trades that he's made over the last weekend, he's looking for prospects and picks. Seattle, given the moves they made, has prospect and picks. They have prospects, plural. Does Buffalo want another goaltender? I don't think so, but you could get a guy like John Quinville. You could get a guy like Cole Lynn. I'm going to go back over there, cap friendly here, see what else they could possibly move if they wanted to. You have Morgan Geeky, who a lot of people think could be something. Kale Fleury from, from Montreal. That was the big pickup there instead of Carey Price, which we'll get into here in a little bit with Peyton Turnage. But there is a lot of things they could do if they wanted to. Now, I'm not saying Ronnie Francis, I mean, I guarantee you he's thought about it. He's probably sitting there just casually, and I'm like, should we ever go for Jack Eichel? No, Ron, are you nuts? 
fun, though, wouldn't it? Yes, it would, kids. It would be interesting. And, of course, it would be the perfect chaos theory story to see Jack Eichel, after the year that has been for the Buffalo Sabres, all of a sudden pretty much go to the new kids on the block. Now, I don't know if he'd like Seattle. I don't know if he'd want to. But it is an intriguing team. I don't know if this team is shaping up to be as good as Vegas. Now, granted, how many of us thought Vegas was going to be that good? I said it here on the show. I'm like, yeah, this team is interesting. They got Flurry, okay. They got James Neal, who had a good playoff with the National Predators on their run to the cup final. They're going to suck, though. There's, they're not going to do anything. They may you know, contend for a playoff spot, but they'll probably bow out in the second half of the season. And then they did this really dumb thing where they turned everyone around, had the division lead for a little bit, where the no, they weren't the underdog. I don't know. They weren't the underdogs against Los Angeles in that playoff series, which is still mind-boggling to me that that even happened, given how LA is nowadays. But it's so interesting to see this hockey club and where they ended up with Vegas. All of a sudden, this new, nice little spunky little new kids on the block too. This team needs to win. Look at all this crap money. Now I'm not saying Seattle's going to put themselves in that same situation. I don't know if Jerry Bruckheimer and and Tim Leonard and the ownership there in Seattle has that same kind of mindset as they do in Vegas. Because Vegas is win now, win now, roll the dice. We're in Las Vegas. Let's do what everyone does when they hit this trip. They go to Treasure Island. What do they do? They go watch the Pirates get blown up at night, and then they go gamble their money away because they want to win. They want to win now. Same thing with the Golden Knights. Now, Seattle, it's a very much a little bit more patient city. They love their sports teams, but they're not going to panic if they lose tomorrow. I think that's what this group, this ownership group, this front office realizes. Hey, we may be good. We may be talented. Hi, Cooper. How you doing? They may have something going, but that does not mean they're going to sell all their assets just to win now. Seattle seems like it's going to be a little bit more of a slow burner, more of a crockpot, if you will. They're not trying to pan here this thing at 500 degrees and hope it cooks in an hour and be done. No. Seattle's willing to put the water in, put it on, you know, 10 to 12 hours, go take a walk, go to work, whatever, come back later and finish it up there. This is not going to be an overnight success Seattle Kraken team. They'll be fun to watch. They'll have talented players. But this team is not expecting to win a cup in year one or year two or year three. I think Vegas just kind of had it set up where it's like, holy cow, we actually did well. We got to go for it now. That's where it kind of all turned kind of sideways for the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, yes, they are still a good hockey team. They're President's Trophy contenders, best in the Pacific, which, by the way, is starting to look like not much of a real uh, real exciting thing to say. But this is a hockey team that's all of a sudden going for it because of how their first year went. Now, yes, if Seattle finishes first in the Pacific Division, which could happen, given that the Edmonton Oilers just re-signed Mike Smith for no good reason, there is an opportunity here for Seattle to quickly turn it the other way. Now, there's a great chance as well, though, that Seattle finishes middle of the pack, barely makes the playoffs this year. There's a good chance that may happen as well. Plans change. I keep seeing these financial aid com- these financial commercials. Older people are like, oh, my goodness, uh, we're going to set this plan up with our investor, and we're going to be great forever. And all of a sudden, well, what if we do this instead? Plans change. What about this? Change plans. Well, we can do this too. Change plans. That's what does happen in today's game. Now the New York Rangers are all of a sudden trying to be a playoff contender and all this stuff only a couple of years ago when Jeff Gordon and Glenn Saylor sent a letter to everyone saying, hey, we're going to suck. Same thing with Chicago. But then, they, then again, they just get Seth Jones. We'll see how they do. Of course, they got to offer Nikita Zadorov as well as an RFA. I believe he did get a qualifying offer. 
But so I, I there's a whole lot to look for with this Seattle Kraken team. Like I said, we'll get to a little bit more with it with Peyton Turnage here in a little bit. We'll talk about who got they got from Nashville, who was the first pick, by the way, and the guy that delivered it as well. I did see some of the highlights after, guys. I didn't watch the Seattle expansion draft for, you know live and everything, but I did see the highlights. That was very interesting. So with that, let's take a quick break, kids. When we come back, it'll be Peyton Turnage, Penalty Box Radio and Free Agent Broadcaster, joining us to talk about the rest of the weekend, including some dumb stuff that happened at the end of the first round of the NHL draft this weekend, which kind of put a damper on all the excitement that was last week across the NHL. We'll talk about all that and more when we come back here on The Cula Show here on 12 Ounce Sports. Welcome back to the Kuehl Show, everyone. Tyler Kuehl, the insider of the insiders here, back for another appearance as a, one of the alternate captains of the Five Timers Club here on the Kuehl Show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Penalty Box Radio, free agent broadcaster. He does it all. And then some Nashville fan himself, disgruntled, appraisal, whatever you want to call him. Peyton Turnage. Peyton, how you doing, sir? Often replicated, but never duplicated. How you doing today, Tyler? Never reduplicated. Reduplicated. There's not enough coffee there uh, in my mug anymore. I'm doing well, Peyton. It's about 95 bajillion degrees up here in Michigan with about 99% humidity, so I'm sweating my balls off. How are you doing? Same. Missouri Boot Heel is they're one and the same, my friend. It, it is... is uh, Hotter than, no, let's not get into it. Hotter than where the, <laughs> hotter than where the NHL draft first round went to towards mm. the end there. Um, we'll get to that here in a second, Payne, but it's the first time we've had you on since the announcement from Pecorine that he's retiring now. Ooh, yeah. Yes. And I tried my best to give Pecorine his due. I'm having watched him and I even said how I was even compared to Pecorine when I played which at times was a good thing. And then other times in my game, my statistics say otherwise. But, I mean, give us your thoughts on Pecorini's career. Vesna winner, big reason during that 2017 playoff run that the Preds had the kind of success that he had. I Just what were your, your favorite moments of Pecorini as a Predator? Well, first off, how tall are you? 6'2". A little shorter than he was. I was going to say, you're about three inches off, so I don't know what they were... <laughs> 
talking about. I was the tallest kid in high school. And once I got to college, I realized I was not that tall. But anyways. Pecorine was a true rags to riches player for a rags to riches franchise. Um, He came in right around the time that the players were starting to see success. Had just made their first postseason a couple of years before. One thing people don't know is in the, I believe it was during the canceled season, the lockout of 0405, he was actually mugged in Finland. Oh, geez. And suffered a, I think it was either a broken arm or a broken shoulder. So that was something that kind of hampered his development. He came out of nowhere. Uh, December 2005, I believe it was. Tomas Fokun, Chris Mason both got hurt. Uh, they tried playing. Oh, my God, what's his name? Brian Finley picked sixth overall in 1999, I believe it was. That, was that, and that, he was, was terrible. Was that their – no, that would have been their second uh, ever first-round pick, right? Because they, yeah. had, they had a pick in the 98 draft. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Leguan was second in 98. So they bring in Brian Finley. He's the goalie of the future. He lets in seven goals against the Panthers. And they didn't have a backup for that night, so they asked defender Jamie Allison to strap on the pads. <laughs> So this is a team that's grasping at straws in the middle of December, and the team's got off to a hot start. So in comes this tall Finnish kid that nobody's heard of. And I remember sitting with my dad. I was probably about 13, almost 13 years old, watching Pecorine's debut against the Chicago Blackhawks, which the great Pete Weber called him Pecorina at the time. Because that was back when he did TV, right? Yeah, that was uh, back when it was simulcast. Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah. So he came in, won the game 5-3. I was like, I don't know who this guy is, but he's good. And we didn't see him again for another three years. Because Dan, Dan Ellis was the savior, right? Yes. Well, they tried going with Chris Mason when they traded Tomas Vokun. Yep. And that didn't quite work out. Sorry, Mace. He and I are friends now. Um, so he, he would hate to hear me say that, but at the same time, he, he, he's probably well aware. But he had a good bounce back in St. Louis and Atlanta. Um and then Rene didn't really come back until the 08-09 season and, and took over the starting role from Dan Ellison and never looked back. He's just, what can you say about the guy? Class act, a legend in the crease, the winningest goltender in Predators history, the winningest Finnish goaltender in NHL history, a guy that the Preds could depend on most often a little too much. Yeah. He overcame lots of setbacks in his career, quite a number of injuries, and led through, through – um, couple successful playoff runs and of course the 2017 cup final run too just all around great guy and a goalie that often replicated never duplicated as well yeah that's hence me right here i was never able to duplicate him that's why i'm doing this program here with Peyton Turnage here on 12 pound sports um i I, it's crazy i still look back at the 2012 run i know it only ended in the second round because for some reason the hockey god said, you know what, let's give the Coyotes some hope because that franchise needed some help, I guess, at that time. Because I was so ready, Peyton, for a Jonathan Quick, Pecorine conference final. I don't care what's happening in the East. East can go kick rocks. I don't care if Henrik Lundqvist is having a great year. Marty Berdeau is going to beat him anyways. Let's see Rene versus Quick. And Ray Whitney and Shane Doan and a bunch of other old guys on that Yotes team decided, no, we're going to have a good year. And Mike Smith and all that. I'm like, come on. That, that, was, that was probably... I know it's probably different for your perspective, but for me, the goalie guy, I would have loved to have seen that more. I was more excited for that matchup than I would be if, you know, the in the finals against Pittsburgh because Matt Murray, I still, I'm still not sold on him, but that would have been my favorite matchup, especially that year in 2012. And said you got Jonathan Quick versus Mike Smith, who yeah. decided to be good out of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, 
randomly good for the three seasons of his career where he wasn't either average or horrible. Well, uh, it yeah, worked out. The 2012 team, you, you had the hockey gods giving the Coyotes the benefit of the doubt, but that Preds team really beat themselves, too, with you know, Alexander Radilov and Sergei Kostitsin getting themselves in trouble. And they didn't Jerry do anything Trotz. wrong. They, they just had some fun. That's all they did. Oh, yeah, no, up until four in the morning. Well, well okay, you go to Glendale. What are you going to do, be there sober? <laughs> Josh. Well, I mean, you still got a cup to win. You got you to focus up. Oh, please, Radulov was not there for the cup. Come on now. <laughs> I, hate, I hate to knock your team, Payton, but he came back because there was a few dollars with a couple commas in there that was calling his name. He didn't make enough rubles before that. I thought they gave him the sun and the moon to go to Ufa. Ufa, Russia. Good Lord. Salvat Yulayev, Ufa. Oh, man. That but was... anyway, yeah, that team beat themselves. And then a lot of people forget this. The intent to blow was a huge part of that series, too. Yeah. And it, it was it was an interesting, and that was the first time we really saw Pecorine be the Pecorine that we all know and love. At least, you know, for when he had his peak, that was him on the rise. He was a Vesna candidate that year because I think – because Quick, did Quick get the Vesna that year in 2012? Or was it Lundqvist? Ooh, now you're putting me on the spot. Oh, uh, my God. 2012. I'm going to guess Lundqvist. Because, yeah. And I know the year after that, Rene was actually in a close tie with Claude Giroux for the NHL 13 cover. Yes. I remember. Because that was, wasn't that the first year of the vote, right? I, I believe. think the only year because it was such a debacle. No, well, it was not the only year because they did it for a few well, no, it was 13 and 14, because remember, well, 14 was, was say, when Marty Berdur. The vote, but then, like, yeah, and then EA was like, you know what, we're just going to make it Marty Berdur. Well, like, he, I still don't believe Marty Berdur actually won a vote to be, come on. I don't know. I for the, I think for him, it was more or less, it was like a life, it was like, Mar, it was, no disrespect to Marc-Andre Fleury, but it was like, Fleury went in the vest this year. It was a lifetime achievement mm. award. What had Marty Berdur not done? He won cups. M- actually, he didn't win an MVP, but then again, he was not even the most valuable player on his team for the New Jersey Devils. I'm going to say that. And people are going to hate me over there in, in the tri-state area, but I'm right. Um, but, yeah, that was weird. And then, of course, I was I was pulling, like, for me, 2013, it should have been Pavel Datsuk. I'm sorry. It should have been mm. Datsuk simply because the fact you don't even have to put the 13 on your logo. Just have him and his arm just hanging off the side or something. It's literally right there for you. But that was just me. Well, wasn't 2013 the year Dots who scored that crazy end-to-end goal against Nashville? I believe it was. Oh, my gosh. We're, I still – it's funny. I, I love that goal because I don't know – you probably didn't get the Detroit feed, but Kenny Daniels' call on that. Oh, yeah. He was Man. so excited like he normally is. Well, whenever – just and that's when I that's I think Datsukian came in after the lockout, but, boy, he whenever Pavel Datsuk made a great move, he was just ready for it. Oh, Datsuki and Deke, that was. He, that was his favorite thing, and – Man, Ken Day, I'm sure I'm saying this right now. The the Wings need to make the playoffs one or two more times where Ken hangs it up because Ken Daniels. I know you do. I know your thoughts on Ken Daniels, Peyton. But for me, having grown up watching him and listening to him, I I he's got to have at least one more playoff run because darn it, it seems like he's just like every home opener. He is he's at peak Ken Daniels, and the rest of the season just goes down and he goes down with it. Well, along with the team too, but right, no, that's you- what I'm saying. What are you and Red Wings Nation going to do when they bring on an announcer that actually has baritone in his voice? Well, you know, I've really, it's been crazy. I've gone back and forth on this because I want, I still wonder how people reacted in Canada because I wasn't quite on the Canadian social media scene when Jim Houston took the games away from Bob Cole. 
for that long period, I think for about what, 10 years before Chris Cuthbert came back to CBC and Hockey Night in Canada. Because Bob Cole, who before the end of his career was only doing Mont- the Montreal games on Saturday night, but he had done the Leafs games for 25 years. When I don't even know when Foster Hewitt gave up the... Since the Jesus race. walked the earth. Since pretty much, yeah. Since Jesus walked the earth. And I'm pretty sure Daryl Sittler was a youngin when Bob Cole took over the Saturday night games at Maple Leaf Gardens for the Leafs. And then Jim Houston took over. I wonder how people reacted. And like, oh my gosh, the Vancouver guy? I mean... It's going to be the same thing when Joe Bowen retires, you know, in Toronto, when he gives up the radio gig, when knock on wood, the Leafs win a cup so he can get his, his favorite call in, as he likes to say. But people are going to rip, like, anything that's new, because this is the hockey mindset, Peyton. You as well know, should know this as well as anyone. Anytime there's a change, no matter even if people ask for it, there is an uproar. It's never pretty. It's ugly, and people lose their mind, especially in the social media era. Well, me as a NASCAR fan, I should definitely know that. NBC oh, is wonderful, have, right? Oh, the, uh, let's see, the new car, changing of Atlanta, which I was very vocal about. Anyway, this isn't a racing show. Oh, we can go but, on that yeah, for and days. Then, and just to add one more, of course, I mean, Pete Weber, I think he's getting about 70 years old. Like, you know, might unfortunately start seeing change soon in Nashville. Unless I get the call, then I'll be happy. But oh, of course. I'll be so sad when Pete Weber retires, unless it's me getting hired. Unless it's me. Unless it's me. I was such a moron. I think I was 21 years old. I met him. Oh, no. And I more or less told him that to his face because I was a dumb college kid. What an idiot. You know? And that, and you know what happened? Pete went to the owner and like, hey, uh, turnage something, uh, Murray State, whatever the heck that is. Yeah. Uh, make sure you don't let him work here. Pretty sure that's the case. It's okay. Pretty it's okay. It's okay, Peyton. Milwaukee will need a guy eventually, I think. Mm, that's another guy that doesn't like me. <laughs> <laughs> you and John Jensen can be on the calls over up there in Milwaukee. That'll be that'll be great. That'll be oh. primetime AHL TV right there. Like Statler and Waldorf. Oh my goodness. <laughs> By the way, I'm pretty sure we gotta get John Jensen on the show one of these days. I know he'll never agree to it, but we gotta somehow pigeonhole him and like and find a way to trick him into jumping on the show here. Because just so we can hear you two yell at each other. It'll be great. Well, the funny thing is, like, we yell at each other on Twitter, but then when we talk, actually, when we actually talk, it's a lot tamer. You know, not to let people inside the curtain, but... Don't break kayfabe, Peyton. You guys hate each other. Oh, yeah. It's like the, the facts get in the way of a good story. It's like The Rock and Austin. You know, oh, my gosh, they hate each other. They're trying to kill each other. Oh, they're best friends. They're, they're, they're okay with each other And back in the locker room. They, they dress up in the same room and everything. It turns out we agree on a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff we don't agree on, but... Anyway. Well, well, yeah, everything you don't agree on, we get to see all the time on the Twitters. But let's let's get to current events here and not personal vendettas on social media. Let's talk about the past weekend. We'll get to the Seattle Kraken a little bit and a lot of the trades and signings that have happened both this weekend and today as well. The first round of the NHL draft, and I will say this, I did not watch it, A, because the wife and I finally closed on our new house, so we were moving stuff in and cleaning some stuff up and whatnot because it's immediate occupancy, which is awesome. Because I get Yeah, to, congratulations on that. Thank you very much, Peyton. I get, to, I get to, I have a lawn now, which is nice, and I also realize mm. I have a lawn, which costs a lot of money to fix because there's some holes that need to be taken care of and money. Anyways, I unfortunately didn't get to see it live, but I saw what happened after on social media, the the end to the first round and the most fitting NHL end to a almost perfect week of hockey news. 
the end of the first round, for those that don't know, the way the picks went, Montreal had the 31st pick, which they which was theirs, and then the 32nd pick was the Chicago Blackhawks, which they got from Tampa. I forgot. Did it, do you remember which trade that was from Peyton? The that last pick. I it's been a while. I I I knew it was not a recent pick. So I'm trying to figure out who went from Chicago to Tampa. Now, granted, that could have been a draft day move from years ago. No, but, I didn't know Chicago made the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, well, twenty yeah twenty fifteen called. It wants its wants its facts back, <laughs> but. So the way it happens, Mark Bergevin comes on and he makes the pick drafting from the London Knights, my favorite junior team, Logan Mayu. For those that don't know, Logan Mayu is in a bit of a scandal overseas with sexual abuse allegations and there's an investigation ongoing. So after Mitch Miller last year, the NHL doubled down and decided, or the NHL GM decided to double down after one year of having a bully, we're going to have a sexual assault case get drafted in the first round of the NHL draft. And, of course, right after Mark Bergevin, you know, when it had to go on media because, yeah, when you make a pick like this, you're going to have to answer some questions and try to defend it. But before we get to that hole, we have to get to actually the rest of the first round, which saw the Chicago Blackhawks come back with a, a line of, of females that do work in their organization, including their department or their player development director. Oh, what the heck was her name? Um Oh, gosh, Megan. Oh, cripes. And long story short, when they make their pick, they had a line full of women right after Mark Bergevin made his. And it just put a huge sour note on a great at the end of a great week for the NHL. Or what could have been a great week, Peyton? I, let's first discuss like what happened. And you and I both listened to 31 Thoughts. Good buddy Frege laid it out perfectly. When Elliot Friedman gets personal on that podcast or any time, you know something is up in his craw. And just the way it ended, it just, it was not good. And you could tell the sentiment, first of all, of the broadcasters presenting it, Butchie and, and company, Kevin Weeks and everyone else on the panel, immediately. I mean, Butchie said it himself like five seconds after Bergevin stopped speaking. Well, I'm sure the league's not going to like this, which... <laughs> If you look at my Twitter timeline, it's kind of funny, sort of. It's kind of bad. At Peyton underscore turnage, by the way. I first go, all right, the Habs drafted a French-Canadian. And then I started watching my TV and went, oh, it's that guy. <laughs> it's They picked the wrong dude here. Oh, and of course, he renounced himself from the draft. He said, guys, don't pick me, which I didn't tweet about that, but I just thought, okay, well, that's a step. I did. A here's step the thing. A long line of steps. I didn't know that until after he was picked. I did I did I did not hear the rumblings that he he was one of those guys that did get picked. I remember the Mitch Miller deal because uh, Tony Ferrari who had last week on TKS said don't pick this guy all the baggage whatever. Even though the difference was Miller was benign to the idea that he did something wrong, which is we already went over that last year, but Logan Mayo said, "Hey guys, there's problems with me. Please don't pick me." Yeah. But but unlike other sports which Fridge mentioned, that in the NHL, there's not a mechanism to say, all right, this kid doesn't want to be drafted. Don't draft him. You're not allowed to draft him. Whereas in baseball, uh, basketball, I don't know if there is in the NFL, but you can renounce yourself in the draft. NHL doesn't have that. And it would have been disgusting if he had been taken at all. Right. Let alone being in the first round. There can be a, a tiny argument for him 
still have him in pick, maybe like sixth or seventh round. But man, Montreal picking him in the first round. I mean, I just I don't know what they're thinking. And then there was the thing that came out with the I believe it was the assistant general manager them asking him questions and he didn't know how to answer them. Oh no, that was um uh, Timmins. Yeah, I think was he the assistant GM? Uh, I think well, I knew he was one that coordinated the draft. Trevor Timmins, uh, who is the assistant GM, and it was the one kind of running the draft. That's you know it's bad when the guy that's I guess you'd say second in command here doesn't know why he was picked. Like, I understand a lot of stuff's virtual, but aren't they, like, in a group call together and say, all right, here's who we're going to pick first? Like, did Bergevin go off the board or something? It makes you wonder why they picked him even more. And I was thinking about this yesterday when we think about how long that pause was. It was very reminiscent of Pierre Dorian. We had, you know, we're a team. We're, we're a team. At least they weren't dealing with that, something like that. Here's what I thought of yesterday. Again, this is, I'm not excusing anything they did. Again, I think all this is disgusting, horrible. And, you know, this Logan Mayu's got a lot to, to make up for. Yeah. And to make sure that the victim is taken care of. But if you're the Habs, you've already done it. You've already picked him. You've gone ahead and made that mistake. Now you got to, if you really believe in this kid, you believe in your heart, you can do something with him, then you got to go full bore on it. And you need to buy in and make it known. Look, we're going to make this kid a better man. We're going to show him what it means to be a Montreal Canadian. When he puts on the red, blue, and white, the blue, blanc, et rouge, not in that order, it comes with honor. We are the most historical team for a reason. And it comes with honor and pride. And we're going to make sure he knows that. And we're going to make sure the victim has been taken care of. And we haven't heard any of that. It's ridiculous. It's PR hell. I, that's why whenever I, I know a few people, I know the, the PR staff in Grand Rapids here in the American League, and I know all the, all the stuff they go through. On This is a much smaller scale, though, in Grand Rapids compared to Le Canadien de Montreal, like the biggest franchise in hockey. Now, yes, people, you go at Forbes 500, it's the Rangers. and No, Montreal is the franchise in the history of the NHL. And this happening is just, completely like you don't know like did someone say hey why pick this kid or if we're gonna pick like if you picked him in the seventh round yes there would be a poop storm about this no question about it Peyton but at least it'd be like all right they didn't use their best pick over him because don't forget Mitch Miller was technically the Coyotes first pick last year because remember they had all the allegations with the training and whatever last year so again the second year in a row you have a general manager come up and say we're gonna pick this player with this on their record, like, I, I honestly wonder, Peyton, who in the staff did not do the research on these players? They think, are they looking at you on the hockey side? Because, yes, Logan May was a good player, plays for the London Knights and whatnot, but do they not research who this kid is? Like, that's the big thing, you know, whenever I hear Brian Burke talk, it's always fun because he likes to talk about some of the interviews he did with players when he was a GM. Like the behind the scenes look, how why Nail Yakupov would not have been drafted by then the Toronto Maple Leafs had it gotten that far because of how bad the interview went. If GMs were actually interviewing these players as they're supposed to, as they usually do in a normal draft year, would they know that Miller has kind of got some problems? And Logan Mayu said, I don't want to be drafted. Like, did they not know 
that? Was that not knowledge in the Montreal front office during those draft discussions? Did they not know that this kid who said, don't pick me, please, but they still pick him anyway. It's like saying, hey, Johnny, don't put your hand on the stove. It's pretty hot. What do you mean? Five degree burns. Well, and you just wonder what the heck they're thinking because it was rumored a couple of years ago that they were looking at bringing in Slava Voinov. Oh, yes. I, oh, trust me. We, we, tore that. Rumored, we tore that one. They were rumored to bring in D'Angelo. They, I think they were rumored to bring in Vertanen, Logan Mayu now. And you just look at a, the guy like Mark Bergevin, who uh, the one thing he kept saying, whoever was first to say it just made me want to throw up. Oh, Logan made a mistake. Made a mistake. Like, it, like yeah, like he, it's like spilling, he made a mistake. Like he spilled milk on the floor. Yeah. I oh, yeah. That's a big difference. This is, he he knew what he was doing. It's a willful act. It's not a mistake. It's not how you classify it. And I'm not the biggest on cancel culture, but I'm not the biggest either on excusing behavior like that. There's Correct. definitely some middle ground. And again, this is all fine and dandy. And, and what I said earlier about, you know, saying we're going to make him a better man. You only say that if you truly do it and if you truly believe in it. But there's nothing. They're just, again, it just makes you wonder why they even picked him. If I'm, if I'm Logan May, I, like, I gotta, you got to come out and say something. Because I know, it, listen, he did not ask for this, as the knowledge is known now. you got to try to find a way to, to slow this momentum down because it's, it's not looking good on the Montreal Canadiens. Not looking good on Mark Bergevin, who arguably was one of the best, like was a GM of the year candidate. Everyone's thinking this guy can do no wrong the way he's able to handle this franchise, turn him back into all of a sudden a team that can go to the Stanley Cup Finals. All of a sudden, two picking arguably the, and this is honestly saying this, the worst possible pick in this draft. And this is including guys that, and there's probably, and you know how it works with the draft, the statistics, not like probably what, 10% of players from the draft make it to the NHL, actually. This is still the worst pick in the draft based on the fact of you pick a player that was unanimously known, as we found out, should not have been picked for various reasons. And this is why Peyton kind of slowly flipping the discussion here a little bit towards hockey in general is, the old boys club mentality of, you know what, it's whatever, It who cares, he's a good hockey player, let's get a good hockey player. That is the problem, and that's why whenever you see, you know, you know that's why last week with, with Luke Prokop was such a big deal because, hey, there's this kid doing something awesome, something great, and the NHL saying, hey, this is awesome, and we support everyone. I'm like, all right, let's, like you're trying to figure this whole thing out, let's try to be consistent here. With, with all these social injustice messages that they post and, you know, you can play or you, you can play movements and all this stuff that they have and then they allow something like this and it's like you're taking two steps forward and then two and a half steps back about on a daily basis, it seems like, with this league. Well, I do want to get back to Bergevin on one, one more yeah, point ahead. that we're missing on, but I do want to touch on Prokop. Great for that kid. Oh, let me say, um, I... Didn't speak out on it. This is my, really my first time speaking out, but I just I feel for him in the sense that like leading up to this time, 
he had to have been scared to death dressing up in a locker room, afraid to show who he truly is because hockey by nature, hockey culture has been very homophobic. Oh yes, And the tide still has not quite turned. So, you know, I'm, I'm proud of him for, for saying, Hey, this is who I am. And guess what? There's more people like me and, you know, so I, it, it's an honor that he's in our in the Predators organization too. That's right. Not our organization. I'm not part of them, but so that's that's really that's a great deal for him. Yeah. And I I hope he from a humanistic side, that's great. And I hope he he does well on the on the ice too. And I hope um, you know he gets more support from those around him. One thing we're missing on Bergevin, let's not forget, and this is another thing we're about to transition into. He's kind of got some secondhand involvement with the whole thing going on with the Chicago Blackhawks too. Right. He was part of the organization at the time. He says he didn't know anything, but. But then half the, no the players say that everyone knew. So, I mean, it's. In that, at least I'm, I'm not for sweeping stuff under the rug, but at least like try to make yourself look good. <laughs> Instead, you do one of the most egregious things that we've seen in quite some time. And, uh, Costantino said this is like the most polarizing pick we've ever seen in the draft of of anyone ever. Because I, I don't, because this is like the, like I said, this was a first round pick. This wasn't a you know middle of the pack or middle of the pack or just a bad player that had back. Like this was a you know a player that should not have been drafted, didn't want to be drafted, but yet here they go, they make it and. And like you said, I mean, Eric Engels put a piece out today for Sportsnet. He said, this kid's going to have to figure it out. And so are the Habs. And this is, you talk about scrutiny. I mean, I I don't know how you can go crazy. And I I thought, and I almost tweeted this out. And it was kind of, I remember I said to myself, this is so dumb, but I'm pretty sure Dave Portnoy, a proud Boston, you know, Boston sports mm. fan, became a Habs fan over the weekend. Um, but anyways. Mm. <laughs> I hadn't thought of him in a while. Thanks. You're welcome. Hey, remember, it's a joke. Remember, it's a funny joke. His words, not mine, kids. Um, but, geez, it, it was, it, this, that's the worst part about this. As we mentioned, this was a, last week was a fun week. And this weekend had some great moments as well because of, we had the expansion draft. We had trades galore. We had silly season get started up here, Peyton. And like I said, it all started with the expansion draft. Uh, did you watch the whole thing, the whole expansion draft? I wish I hadn't. You wish you had. I wish I had. I, I wish I wish I had stayed on Twitter and just gotten everything leaked to me. And I'm like, okay, that's the team. But I stayed off Twitter and I wanted to be surprised. And uh, I feel like I was dragged through the mud for an hour and a half. I, I was so torturous. I will say, you know, it's funny. I was looking up the. I was doing some research after the fact because I was the same way. I was on Twitter. My my phone here, my iPhone, which actually allows me to get my Twitter notifications. I saw all the pics. So I'm like, perfect. I don't need to watch tonight. Got to have a nice date night with the wife. And I tell you, there were a couple, the cool, a couple of cool things um, that happened. Gary Bettman getting booed. Perfect. We're at Seattle's fitting right in here with the rest of the gang. It's almost well, automatic. So yeah, well, at this point, like, and that's the funny thing. That's when Gary Bettman says, we know that Seattle's a hockey town. Like perfect. And that's the best part about Bettman. He owns up to it. He knows what he's doing. Awesome. But the, of course, the first pick, the first ever pick in the expansion draft for the Seattle Kraken, none other than Nashville Predators, Cal, Cal, my boy Callie, my boy Callie. And you know, Marshawn they Lynch. they could have given Marshawn Lynch anybody in that draft. 
They could have given him Kale Flurry, but no, some intern, some NHL intern was like, "Oh, we got to give him Nashville's pick so he can hear him say Yarncroke." Won't that be hilarious? Uh, but Kevin and, Weeks, yeah. Kevin Weeks had to sit there too. He's like, he had to say it because, like, crap, he's not saying it. And you're, and here's the thing, and I'm not. This is not saying that Marshall Marshawn Lynch is difficult to work with, but there was not a second take that was going to be done there. <laughs> it was one and done with with Marshawn Lynch. And so when I saw that, I was like, oh, it's, it's kind of funny because you just, as soon as you hear Marshawn Lynch is going to make a pick, it's going to happen. I mean, I will say this though, Peyton, are you surprised that somehow, I'm talking about all these Seattle sports legends and whatnot, how in the world was Ken Grippy Jr. not there? Oh, that's a, I, I'm so behind on Seattle sports knowledge, but yeah, Ken Griffey Jr., the prettiest swing of all time. Oh man, uh, that's a that's a good catch. But maybe he'll be there for for opening night. At least they had Gary Payton. I feel like anything Seattle, you, you gotta have you gotta have Gary Payton. So who did who did Gary Payton announce? Do you remember? Oh God, so mm, I knew he was there, know. but I didn't see it because I would say this: like the perfect guy for Gary Petman. Gary Pet. Gary. So now I get my Gary's Gary. Gary Petman. Gary Petman. Gary, who Gary Payton should have picked was. Because they already were going to sign Chris Drieger, but they should have announced him for like Vitek Vanisek or something like that because he was known as the glove and you really could have had it perfect. Mm. This guy here has a good mm. glove hand, just like me. Vitek Vanisek. Perfect. That's how you do marketing, kids. Why in the world, two things. Why in the world did Dominic Moore wear a jacket that was way too small for him? One. For two, why Chris Fowler? Why? I know he's he's a virtuoso and he's a, a great host, but man, he was so out of, out of his element. There are people that have been at ESPN for years, loving hockey, clamoring for it. Butcher Gross, Linda Cohn. You could have gotten any of those people. I, and you go to Chris Fowler, who calls the Carolina Hurricanes, the Carolina Panthers, and the Anaheim Ducks, the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. Way to go, Chris. I will say, okay, what do you think was more awkward? And I, I've seen this footage. The very first X Games, guess who hosted? Chris Fowler. Uh, hmm. Look it up. It's uh, it's cringeworthy foot. That and um, having uh, Jack Edwards call skateboarding. Two cringeworthy, oh, no. two cringeworthy things. Now, don't, now, granted, this was pre-Boston Jack Edwards, so it wasn't opinionative and not completely benign and dumb, but it was still awkward to hear Jack Edwards calling Tony Hawk with a kickflip off the quarter pipe. And I'm like, Kickflip off the corner pipe reminds me of the kickflips in 1776 when when the boys from Lexington and Concord stopped the British. Yeah, Jack, that was a great kickflip there. Oh, man. Let's Jack see. Edwards, Andy Brickley at X Games, 1999. Oh, oh gosh. Oh, what a time. don't know, Jack Edwards used to anchor Sports Center. Used to anchor Sports Center and for the longest time did a lot of the national games for ESPN and was actually not the, not the worst to listen to. And then he had too many bowls of clam chowder and it went all sideways from there. Listen, when you drink Sam Adams for six years, eventually you lose your mm. mind. That's probably what happened. Cause I guarantee you in Boston, that's all they sell is Samuel Adams. I don't think they sell any other beer, but looking at this, this roster here, Peyton, are there any picks from Seattle that you say are cringeworthy? Cause I mentioned off the top here, you know, some people are like, why would you pick this guy from this team, this minor leaguer, and not this guy? Because I did my mock draft, and I went about $7 million over the cap because I thought, here, this is the best players from each team. Let's go with these guys. 
and it didn't work. But now they have 30 plus million in cap space because they didn't pick all the big names. But were there any picks that you would thought that they would have made or any picks you would have changed that Seattle did? Well, I mean, there's probably plenty, but the fact that they picked Carson Twarinski, a man I've never heard of. Or I've never heard of Nathan Bastian. Never heard of that name. And all of a sudden <laughs> that comes up. Except for maybe like a Devil's Rangers preseason game or something. Um, I, I'll say this. Seattle, I knew it from the beginning. They were not here to rescue your bad contracts. They weren't going to take on your Ryan Johansons, your P.K. Subans, your James Van Riemsdykes of the world. Sorry, but it just wasn't going to happen. Right. Man, don't you wish they would have taken Carey Price? Ah, come on, man. See, that's another bit of Mark Bergman being a, you know what, kind of playing the, oh, wait, the day before the expansion draft, oh, he's hurt. Oh, I don't know. Maybe you don't want to. Oh, actually, he's fine. Well, he well he's well he'll be he'll be back for the regular season. He did have successful knee surgery, and of course we. Oh, but probably, it was his hip though, Tyler. It was his hip. Oh, uh, well, he, that, he's having hip trouble. That, it, it's probably going to make him retire. He'll that, he'll never play hockey again. That's all gamesmanship, and you know that, Peyton. Hence why Shea Weber is going to be fresh and ready if the Habs are finding a way to get into the playoffs next year with him missing out the regular season. But I, I will say this. I was not shocked. Like, even if there was no, oh, he may be hurt, I was not I was not picking Carey Price to come out of Montreal just because of the fact that I was unsure if you'd want to take a goaltender who is so – because we've seen it this year. Jake Allen had better numbers in the regular season than Carey Price. But they went with Carey Price in the playoffs because he had the experience and he showed why he could be still be a good playoff goaltender. I'm sure Seattle's like – I don't remember that's sure it's what Ron Francis thought was I don't know if I want to pick a goaltender that may be good for the playoffs if we may not even make it because Seattle's not Vegas where it's like all right they got the first taste of the playoffs and it's just gun ho from there I think Ron Francis is a little bit smarter than that we saw that with his time in Carolina it was all right let's get the right players involved and eventually become a good team because yes while Don Waddell is the GM in Carolina now Ron Francis has his hands all over that team right now that's why I think Seattle's going to take a much different approach compared to what Vegas did a few years back. That's why I think he went with the younger, possibly, you know, up-and-coming goaltenders. I mentioned Joey Decord. He may start out in the American League, but he could be a guy that could be in the NHL in a couple of years. He's not trying to make this thing happen overnight. He is willing to wait and be patient. And I'm sure that's the same thing with Lewicki and all the ownership there in Seattle. They realize, all right, we're not going to be amazing in year one. We're going to be good, competitive, especially in that Pacific division where they could easily finish in the top four there. I think this is going to be a much different approach than we saw in Vegas a couple of years back. Well, there's a, one person, too, that I thought for sure Vegas was going to take, and we talked about Joey Decor. That That's one guy I had uh, marked down. But I was really surprised. I thought for sure they were taking Capo Kakinen as another backup. Me, and, that was me, too. Yep. Option. I, I, I was shocked. I can't believe they went with that. Now, Carson Soucy is a pretty decent pick, and um, – Someone was arguing that Susie would be used as trade bait. Right. But um, I tell you, this team, another thing I would do, Johansson would have been a bad pick, but at least you would have had a top six center. Exactly. You're, you're leaning on Yanni Gord and then a bunch of guys that used to play center and are now wingers, like Callie Yarncroke. Yarncroke hasn't played center since the Obama administration. Right. And well, now don't forget, though, free agency and Seattle gets first dibs. 
That, that's why I think the $31 million in cap space is going to probably play in their benefit here. But who's out there? Who, who can really be an impact player for them? Derek Broussard? Well, I'm about to say I'm like 10 years ago, maybe. Yeah. Ryan, uh, there, there is Ryan Getz left, but uh, I, I don't know what you do. Like, I feel like they should have made one good pick, and maybe they can swindle someone via trade. But and they well, make all the cap space in the world. Well, I was about to say. You're depending on free agency. That's not really a river you go down. Right. And, of course, I'm pretty sure David Poyle realized that when he gave Matt Duchesne an eight-year contract. But neither here nor there. But here's the thing, though, Peyton. And I remember I I hinted at this, and if you listen to 31 Thoughts today, they hinted at it as well. Is is it a possibility of Jackson H. Eichel going to Seattle? Mm. Now, I, I kind of went down like, all right, here's what could happen. Because they do have some prospects they could wager out there. I mentioned Joey Decord, but then again, Buffalo did just get Devin Levi for Sammy Reinhart. So maybe goaltending they don't want to go after, even though they need to find someone there in Buffalo. But do you think that's ever, is that even a possibility or am I just, you know, tin can hat thinking over here? He uh, does he have trade protection? He does, doesn't he? Yes, but I'm, but I guess, but I'm sure right now his mentality is going to be anywhere but here. They have the assets, and again, at the picks. If you're Buffalo, yeah, you're probably just going to have to depend on futures. There's nothing that Seattle has that can patch up something that can help things out in the immediate future, unless you want Borgen back. Like, hey, just give us Borgen back, and we'll <laughs> we'll we'll give you Eichel one for one. We, yeah, that's how it works. I, that's another guy I didn't know about until the expansion draft was Will Borgen. All of a sudden, oh, he's this big right hand defenseman. Which those are. About as valuable as diamonds, don't you know? Well, that that was one thing. When I was doing my mock draft last week, Ottawa and Buffalo were the two toughest teams to try to pick a player from. I mean, Ottawa, I mean, there was, yes, there was Evgeny Dadanov, but I'm like, that's an older player, and Seattle seemingly want to go for A, six foot or taller, and B, younger. Because it seems like, I don't think, was Yanni Gord the shortest player that they drafted, I think, or something like that? Other than that, I don't think they picked a player under six foot one. And it was funny listening to the Steve Dangle podcast. They were talking about why Dennis Chalowski was picked over Troy Stetcher. Like, why wouldn't you take Stetcher? Like, oh, he's five foot ten. Okay, there it is. That's why. You gotta have some shortness there. I you know, there and that was another team too, Detroit was tough. And I'm like, how how do you I, that's why I said I said on the show, my like, gosh, to be Ron Francis right now, good for him because I have no idea what I'm doing here. Because I would pick the probably the worst team. I think I I did. I said this. I'm like I'm doing this pick for all the folks at home and Ron Francis to know who not to pick in this draft, and uh, we'll see if it works out for them. Because Seattle is going to be an interesting team. They did have some signings, like we mentioned, Chris Drieger and Adam Larson. Also Jamie Alexiak, five years, four point six from Dallas. The only pick that they have flipped so far is Ty. I'm just going to sound kind of funny. The only pick they flipped was Ty Pitlick, of all things to Calgary for a 2021 fourth-round pick, even though it was rumored initially that Mark Giordano could get moved to New York, even though you really can't move a guy after you literally take all the pictures with him in your sweater on the stage on ESPN2, which, by the way, still had better ratings than the Cubs and Cardinals game, which is on ESPN, which is funny because also in Canada, it was not even on the main Sportsnet. It was put down, I think, to Sportsnet 1, because the Jays were on, and the Jays got the precedent over the expansion draft. Both did better ratings than the baseball games that they had. I love baseball, well, but I'd still pick. I'd still go over the expansion draft in that. 
to be fair, the Cubs and Cardinals are having bad seasons. Yes. So not not exactly a marquee event in the town that's known for marquees. Yeah, and it's yeah, they they are uh they're struggling. My buddy is a St. Louis Cardinals fan and he's like it's it's funny to even like they're playing Cincinnati when he came over Saturday night. And he's like, I don't know what's going on here. This team sucks. <laughs> this team is bad. But Yeah, and, and I'm feeling the same pain too. I'm a I'm a Cardinals fan here too. Let me I'm looking through Cat Friendly right now. I'm browsing the avail- available free agent centers sorted by highest cap hit to lowest most recently. So here are your options, Seattle fans. Gets 36-year-old, 36-year-old Ryan Getzlap, 35-year-old David Krejci, 31-year-old Derek Stepan, who had one goal in 20 games last year. Jeez. Uh, Bacchus and Dubinsky are retired. Travis Ajak, Tyler, Tyler Bozak's 35. Oh, my God. I know. It makes me feel old. Arbanisimov, Marcus Johansson, eh, that's not horrible. I th- I'm hearing that he's going to stay in Minnesota. And that's a good fit. Yes. I would hope, for I, their sake, that, that would be that would worked, be best. That worked out really well. Nick Benino. Eh, not Darren awful. Darren Helm. Darren, no. <laughs> not, <laughs> not touching Granlin. that with a 30-foot pole. Mikhail Granlund, apparently Nashville's going to keep him. I wouldn't, I'm okay either Go way. Go back to one. Minnesota, man. Do it. <laughs> They have cap space now. Thirty-year-old Casey well, Sezikis. Uh, he's now thirty. Uh, Eric Stahl, Philip Deneau. Well, the, yeah, there's whispers on Deneau, but there's whispers elsewhere with Deneau. Not necessarily going to Seattle, but there's there's possibilities elsewhere about where he may end up. I LA Kings, right? I th- yeah, I think LA is involved there because then you and then you have this weird shutdown line of Kopitar, Deneau, and put Brown on there because he's got to play somewhere, I guess. But, like, you have that line, which is terrifying because you have Deneau, who is this two-way dynamic center, put Kopitar on the wing, and you have a guy that can both score and play defense, and Dustin Brown because you're paying him to, to dress up every night. So, Well, here are three guys that were on the expansion Golden Knights that you could go for. Seattle, you can double down on the Magic. You can go for Eric Halla. Oh, yeah. Uh, Pierre Edward Belmar. And Tomas Nosik. So gosh, well, Nosik was on a Nosik was on a cheap deal. I I wouldn't be shocked if Vegas tries to keep him around more or less for because they I think they resigned him for like a million and a half last year. I think they could get him at another cheap deal. He's a perfect fourth line player for them. That'd be a guy definitely to keep around. The only name that really pops out at me is a guy like hey go after him is the guy that came up maybe what two hours before the show is uh, Pia Suter. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a huge bidding war. I think P.S. Suter is about to get big time overpaid um, since he wasn't qualified by Chicago. And, you know, it's funny because he, I'm not saying he was their best player. I'm not going to go off the wall and scream that. But it is weird how they're not going to qualify an offer, especially when you get a guy like Nikita Zadorov, who is, is a solid defenseman. And I think if you're Chicago, you need a guy like Zadorov, but he can be a liability at times. By the way, before we go too much further, I probably should mention Boston not offering Nick Ritchie nor Andre Case qualifying offers as well. So just to keep news there in New England. But yeah, Seattle, I mean, is Seattle going to have the same problem that Vegas has is not have enough centermen, like not be deep enough at center? Like they'll be a good team. They'll be a competitive team towards the top. They get to the playoffs though and Chandler Stevenson's out of the lineup and your whole team falls apart. Like that right there is a problem. But well, they were stacked on defense, weren't they? Gosh, uh, and that's man, thank the goodness. Same, 
that's the same strategy that Seattle is going for here, which, I mean, GMs love defensemen, so why not have some some trade chips? Well, you got to score I, goals to win games, too. I mean, defense helps, but if you can't, put the puck in the back of the net. Good Lord. Well, let's just not forget. I mean, we expected Vegas to suck, and let's not be surprised if Seattle sucks for a little bit. That's really the way it's supposed to go. Uh, there was some some magic that came Vegas's way, which, you know, in the wake of the of the tragedy, the shooting that happened in Vegas, it was all, you know, in good spirit. So, you know, maybe things go on a little bit more of a linear path with, with Seattle. Maybe things kind of go the way nature intends them to. So if you're a Seattle fan, don't use the Golden Knights as your as your bar. That's I mean, that was just a miracle of God. Be patient. You you'll have a good team. Just have fun. Have fun watching your team. I'd say, yeah. First time there's a team in Seattle in a hundred years. But you think yeah. about Vegas too. What was it? Their first three first round picks have all been traded already. Yeah. Well, yeah, don't forget. We can't talk we gotta talk about that because you can't forget the the move of Nashville Predators legend Cody Glass. Mm. Yeah. Or or Nash Prayers legend, uh, Nolan Patrick. That too, yes. Yeah. Oh, man. I, Nolan pa- I'll say this, though. Seeing Nolan Patrick get traded, it, it, it sucks. I get it because, obviously, Dilly wants – they're trying to go in a different direction, hence why we see Jakub Voracek going to Columbus. But I say to myself, man, because he, he never, he's never been able to develop into the player he could have been getting drafted number two overall there in 2017 just because of all the concussion problems that he had and – you know, maybe if he gets healthy, he can be something. But boy, that's a, a tough spot for a young kid like that. He, you know, I, when I talked with Jim Jackson uh, a few a couple of years, well, last year, right before the bubble, I asked him about Nolan Patrick off air, and he's like, "Yeah, it sucks because the kid's good, but it just when you're not healthy, it's hard to be a good player when you can't get to 100 percent." Well, it was interesting when I first saw the trade go through. Um, I was sitting with my family on vacation. Everybody was talking. I said, "Guys, guys, hold on. Ryan Ellis got traded to Philadelphia." And then I waited for the next tweet up, and it was for Philip Myers and Nolan Patrick. And I, I was it was so shocking and surprising to see Patrick. And I did get a little bit excited, like, okay, maybe they could turn him into something. Scrolled up a little bit more. Patrick for glass. Okay. All right. Now we're now we're good. I now, think glass is now we're back to normal. Uh, he's had his own injury problems, but right. I think he's a little bit more of a sure thing in comparison. It'll be interesting. And and yeah, let's look at Philly here. Well, let's get into the the chaos that was this past weekend. By the way, a couple of things we will mention. Jake Vertanen, we talked about him earlier, getting bought out by the Vancouver Canucks, which was inevitable at this point because no one's going to trade for him, even though he has he he always had his flashes of the Vancouver. But sticking on the Philly page here, you mentioned Ryan Ellis getting traded, which we talked about last week. It's just Philly trying to get better. And Philly, I think Philly, I think, just had an off year last year, but they add to their defense getting Rasmus Ristolainen from Buffalo, Buffalo giving, getting Robert Hag and a 2021 first, which became Isaac Rosen, which is actually a really good, really good selection. I saw him at the U18 Worlds. He'll be something, I think, in a few years' time for Buffalo, if they develop him properly, of course, which, you know, I don't know with Buffalo Press these X days. To doubt. Yeah, well, Isaac Rosen is a Swedish guy, and remember, Buffalo doesn't have any Finnish uh, scouts, so they should be okay. I think they picked the right guy there. But wrist lining going to Philly, so they get tougher on the defensive end, a little bit better. Two right-handed shot defensemen, by the way. And they, I mean, they, yes, they lose Jakub Voracek, who has been one of their offensive stalwarts for the longest time, but they get Cam Atkinson, 
who, while he's always been a guy that loves playing in Columbus, which was one of like maybe five guys that includes Nick Foligno, all of a sudden he changes scenes to Philly, and this adds a little bit more offense, which Philly struggled with last year. Philly may be a better team this year than I think a lot of people are expecting just because, yes, it did not go well at all last year. But now, a little bit better on defense. Maybe Carter Hart gets rid of his sophomore slump, and you have a great year coming out of guys like Ristolainen and Ellis and now Atkinson. This could be a tough team to play next year in the Metro Division. Let's not forget that coming out of the bubble, this was a team that was expected to be good last season and underperformed big time. Oh, yeah. And it's sort of what they're doing is somewhat what Nashville's trying to do, too. Maybe it's not so much a rebuild or retool, but it's just changing the cast around. And a lot of people were very sour on the Ristolainen trade. I think he's still got a bit to offer. Well, he's been on the trade block and trade conversations for years. Let's not forget, he was in Buffalo. I mean, what do you want the guy to do? What, do you want some money? You know? But I, I think he's actually going to be pretty good. Philadelphia has, well, I was going to say they've been known to develop uh, strong demons. It's kind of been a while. Ivan Provorov's about the only example, which that's going to be a very scary pairing of, of Provorov and Ryan Ellis. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, this is a team that can, can build on things. I don't understand the Voracek trade from Columbus's perspective, considering Voracek has notably been on the decline. If I'm not mistaken, I think his cap hit is higher. Yes, and but I think a it's a little bit sh- older. I think it's shorter. Let me quick check here. Go ahead and keep talking. Yeah, and, and then you know Columbus, you get rid of uh, one of your better players, and as you mentioned, a guy that's enthusiastic in playing there. A lot of Philly struggles, though. You mentioned it did come down to Carter Hart having a sophomore slump. This is a guy that was projected to be Team Canada's starting goaltender in the Olympics. He picks it up. All you need all you need is a goaltender to play just average, and your team record improves substantially. Yeah. And that's that's crazy. Now, we've mentioned sophomore slump, and there's some people that are saying, but he played there in 1819. Listen, his first real full season was 1920. That's why we consider his sophomore slump last year, because last year, or in 1920, the year they made it all the way to the second round, that was his, my eyes, that was his rookie year. Uh, by the way, talking about the, the contracts, yes, Voracek's AAV is higher than Atkins's, 8.25 compared to 5.875. However, three years of Voracek and, pot, and only in five years of Atkinson. So I think this is more or less a move that, uh, that uh, Yarmo Kekalainen's making because, hey, you know what? Voracek has a couple good games here and there, starts to put some numbers up, and boom, trade bait at the deadline. That's probably this idea because, hey, you know what? People will like a short-term contract like you see here with Voracek, especially in the flat cap era that we are in. I wonder how Voracek enjoyed playing there the first time around, the first couple seasons he was there before he had traded to Philadelphia. I'm, I'm wondering how he's feeling about this whole thing. Gosh, well, how long ago was it? Let me see here. It's been it was, a while. I think 2013 was when he was traded, I believe. 2012. Yep. So 20. It was in the year of. It was during the offseason in 2011, and he his rookie year. Actually, not a bad year to be a Blue Jacket. That was the 0809 year when Steve Mason won the Calder. So, and he ended up putting up 38 points in that season. So he played for that, one that good was year. Jeff Carter trade, wasn't it? Oh yeah, that's right. That's then Carter, and then Carter got traded to LA, and he won a cup. So he won a couple of cups with that. So I'm pretty sure Carter's okay with that. Yeah, not a bad. I mean, here's the thing. I know Voracek is not as good. He still put up 43 points in 53 games. He's he's not a point a game player like he was, but he's close to. It. He's actually 
I'm looking at his stats here on cap friendly because they are kind enough to hook things up with elite prospects and have all their stats on there as well. He's actually about the same point production that he's always been in the NHL because looking at some of his earlier numbers in 20, let's just say 2016, one of the last few years Philly made the playoffs, he had 55 points in 73 games. He had 81 points in 14-15, which in 82 games. Last year at 43 and 53, 56 and 69 in 1920. Nice. You know, he's just about at every point. You know, he's This is about the same amount of production. It's just, yes, he is getting older and that cap it is huge. So I can see why Chuck Fletcher said, all right, be gone with you. Let's bring in a guy that can score, but is a little bit less money. We have to pay him. So I can see the point on it there. But Voracek, I don't think he's a bad player. Let's just see how the change of scenery does because – that seemed like a guy who, despite him going after reporters during postgame pressers last year, didn't mind playing with guys like Giroux and Konechny and whatnot. Just he kept getting scrutinized, and I could see why he got a little salty. Maybe a change of scenery may help him a little bit. Oh, yeah, he did do the – oh, I forgot about that. Was that, wasn't that during the bubble when he got a little testy with the reporter? Oh, man. I what do you got, say is effing BS? All I say is whatever you're right, you're right effing BS. Anyways, I, I still love that because – because uh, was it the bubble? Because I remember it was after, because Matthews had the run in with Steve Simmons. That was in the bubble. Mm. That was during the Columbus series. I don't remember if it was the same, though. That was the thing. I'm trying to figure out like when it was, but I know it could have been the bubble. It could have easily been, because I think it may have been later on in that playoff, because, boy, I tell you, I, I want to I that's why I want to see reporters get back into the room. Because I want to see if it happens again. This is not saying that NHL players are gutless because they won't say in front of people, but like, who's going to go full torts on a Brooksy here? And when we start seeing reporters come back in, that's the big question in all this. Wow, it was either at the very beginning of the season or it was right before. Uh, this is January 15th of this year. Yeah, it could have been early on because Philly started off the year not too shabby. They weren't, you know, they were not, you know, world beaters, but they were in there for a minute in the East. Then the rest of the season happened. Cause I think Voracek may have scored two goals in a game or something like that. And that's probably, that's when he, that's why he was on the, on the press press room board and uh, gotta love hockey players sometimes. How weird is it that Philly's still coached by Alan Vigneault and Michelle Terrian? Like, I don't T- know. That, Terrian that being there strange. is weird. Vigneault, I still get. I think Vigneault's got to, you know, if next year sucks, yes, Vigneault may be gone. But seeing Terry as an assistant coach, that right there is kind of like, really? Hey, yeah. what's that cigarette smell? <laughs> oh, is Guy Lafleur playing again? What's going on here, guys? Sergey Zubov making a comeback? <laughs> you talk about a guy hucking darts. Oh, they man. install a chimney in here? Man, oh, man. But I tell you, so let's look at some other signings and trades here from the past week that was because this is the one bummer about going back down to once a week. We have to catch up on everything. A um, couple small signings that we saw. Mark Stahl going for one more year at $2 million. I don't know why it's $2 million. I, it's, Oh, I didn't know it was two. That's bad. I'm sorry. I, um, he's so bad on NHL 21. He's down to a 75 overall. Good Lord. I would have only done maybe a million with him. But then again, it could be the fact that he's only, I don't know. Uh, Trevor Moore re-signing with LA for two by 1.875. That's a fair deal. Uh, Barclay Goudreau got a big long paycheck. 3.642 mil is the AAV, but for six years with the New York Rangers. So the Rangers definitely did not miss out making that trade or that signing or that trade to get his signing rights. 
Um, Alec Martinez is close to a three-year deal, re-signing with Vegas, estimated around $5 million a year, that according to Frank Saravelli. A um, couple of the big ones, Sammy Bennett staying in Florida, 4 by 4 not a bad pay raise for him. Taylor Hall staying in Boston, like we all thought, 4 by 6 mil, a little bit more fair than the 8 mil he was getting last year. But the big one, well, the two big ones, one controversial, one not, uh, Mike Smith getting two years at 2.2. My thing is not the 2.2, Peyton. Why two years, though? That's And the funny thing was the way it was worded when it first came out, signing Mike Smith to a multi-year deal. It's like, okay. Three years? Multi as in more than two? A few years. So, gosh. That would have been, you want to hear people panic. That's how you do it. Get Save Mike Smith for three more years. And they couldn't find a way to send Koskin into Seattle. So oh, enjoy another... Ho hum year in Edmonton, and the fact that they didn't qualify Dominic Cahoon or uh, Jujar Kara, right? And that that's that's the crazy part. And Kenny Holland, listen, Kenny Holland tried to do the best that he could to explain the Duncan Keith trade, which I get the idea of getting a veteran defenseman in there, but you're telling me you couldn't tell Stan Bowman to take two million dollars. But they lost their security blanket in Adam Larson. That was what they were saying. Like, oh, Larson will play with them and it'll work out. And now what are you going to do? Well, now I, I can look at Cat Friendly for free agent, right-hand defenseman. How about that? Oh, good Lord. Just get on that page. Well, one right-handed defenseman that is nowhere near going to be on the Cat Friendly free agent board anytime soon. That is Kale McCarr. Six by nine. Are you shocked by either of those numbers? Uh, you skipped there for a second. Who'd you say? Oh, Makar, six by nine. Oh, I'm, I am not surprised at all. That that kid is a stud. It's a lot different than the Seth Jones contract in the sense that, I mean, he's just now, my, my God, he made his debut and lit the NHL world on fire. Yeah. I mean, this we, we haven't even seen the best of this kid. He is so freaking good. Uh, I'll give credit to my to my man, uh, Sam Fleming in Nashville. We always make fun of him for being a big Kel Makar fan, but there's a reason he he is he's such a stud. So that's that's a that's a steal for the Avalanche. And they they say it's a flat cap. They say that the cap's going to be the way it is. I honestly, hot take. I think the cap goes up in two years. If you know what, if the league makes the right amount of money, and now it may go up. I, and I think the reason why everyone's saying four years or five years, whatever the heck they want to say, it's because they want it. Like you're looking at a substantial change because you could probably bolst it up maybe a million in a couple of years. It's just I think it's going to be tough to gauge where, how, where, when it's going to go up and by how much. Right now, the league doesn't want to say it. That's why they're trying to push it off saying it's going to be a few years. So then it, if it does turn to the point where, hey, look, in 2023, it's up to 84 million because then they look good. You know, it's like, hey, expect a C minus on this test, but you get a B plus. Hey, that's a lot better than we thought we were going to get. Oh, and sorry, the sidetrack just for a second. I did look for free agent and right-hand defenseman. Edmonton, your limited your options are limited. Maybe you go for Brandon Montour. Is did Tyson Barry get an offer yet? Well, I mean, I, I think they're going to keep him, but that's not exactly your Duncan Keith security blanket. Well, Dunk, if you tell Duncan Keith, "Hey, Duncan, you're old. Sit on the back blue line, please." Tyson Barry's going to try to get some secondary assists here. Mm. And then there's, I mean, there's a couple of guys: Sammy Vatanen, Cody Cece. Actually had a pretty good year with Pittsburgh, surprisingly. Well, in the uh, minutes that he was given, if you put him, if you give, if you give Cody Cece the right minutes, this is a problem in Toronto. He was getting paid four and a half million dollars to be on the top pair. 
That should never be the case. If you give him t- a couple mil, put him on the third pair, I can play with that. I can go Cody Cece that way. There's also David Savard, but we know that uh, Friedman was saying that he's more than likely going to go to Montreal, especially if Shea Weber doesn't play. They're going to need another right-handed defenseman. And yes, he doesn't have the booming shot, but for some reason, over the past three trade headlines, David Savard's name keeps coming up because big, tall, right-handed defenseman has a big beard and can play tough in front of the net. Perfect for the playoffs. Primary assist on the cup-winning goal. Gosh, that's that's still crazy. Him to Colton Ross. Or, no, Ross Colton, right? Ross, I kept saying Ross it backwards. Ross Colton, as... I keep as, saying uh, it backwards. Faust would say. You know what? I'm. You know what? I'll say. I got benefit of the doubt. I'm saying it how they say it in Japan. I give them the family name first. That's what I do because I've been watching mm. a lot. A lot of the Olympics. Have you been watching a lot of the, the Olympics, Peyton? Not very much, but it's funny. I was hanging out with my friend Mallory Rollerson. I took her to her first hockey game yesterday. It was a charity game. Oh yeah. She expected to hate it, and she actually she loves hockey now. But anyway, we were eating and the oh, Olympics did you go? Were, on. were you at the um, uh, Pucks for was Autism? It, I was the Wish Cup. Oh, Wish Cup. Yeah, or, different, different charity. Right. Uh, <laughs> down at the Forest Make a Wish Foundation. Congratulations to Wish Snipe Selly and Colby Collier. But yep. anyway, long story just to say that we were eating and she said, Oh, you didn't tell me the Olympics were on. I was like, Well, first of all, I didn't know that I was the one who had to tell you. Uh, As so, someone who's doing anyway. coverage for MLive, I'm like, I'm all over this stuff. And I have to pull the morning shift at the station tomorrow, which sucks because I have to get up at one o'clock in the morning, but it doesn't, which means because I get to actually watch like a lot of events live because everything starts at 1 30 or 2 a.m. in some events. So I'm not not mad about that, but it is I I actually have in right here right now, I have Slovenia kicking the crap out of Argentina in men's basketball. The score is 95 to 73 in the fourth quarter. Boy, Argentina mm-hmm. really tailed off since Manager Ginobili retired. But so those were the big signs from the past week. Obviously, a lot of small ones as well. Let's talk about the trades because I got a long list here, Peyton. We already touched on a few of them, though. We mentioned Ristolina to Philadelphia, Voracek to Columbus. The I'm trying to and of course, Sammy Reinhardt to Florida, where Devin Levi and a 2022 conditional first went to Buffalo. That condition, though, in 2022, if somehow Florida sucks that year, the pick will be moved to 2023 for Florida or for, for Buffalo. By the way, just in case Florida, you know, hits the tank in the next couple of years and then Chris Drieger becomes a Vezina Trophy winner in Seattle and everyone looks like an idiot and Bill Zito gets fired. But the big one for a lot of people is Seth Jones going to Chicago because this was as soon as the offseason came around, that was everyone's focus. Is Seth Jones going to leave? And then it became clear that it was going to be Chicago being a front runner. They get him. They give him an immediate extension, 8 by 9.5. Supposed to be signed on Wednesday officially given the fact that I guess that's when it has to, that's the earliest thing to be signed. Columbus gets Adam Bockfuss, a pretty solid defender in his own right, former London Knight. Cole Sillinger ended up being the first round pick that they received, and which Cole Sillinger didn't get to see him at the U18s, but he's a really good player, played for Sioux Falls last year in the USHL because Medicine Hat, I guess, didn't, he didn't want to play for Medicine Hat last year. Not quite sure why. Uh, the second, which got traded in the Jake Bean trade, to from Carolina and the 2022 second round pick. But the big news, obviously, Seth Jones in Chicago with his brother Caleb Jones, which is great to see. What is your thoughts on this trade? Because a lot of people are saying, oh my gosh, is Chicago going to be good again? I don't know if that's the case, but at least you're going to have a solid defenseman back there with Duncan Keith moving on finally and a mixture of a younger team with a veteran team. It's going to be an interesting outlook there in Chicago. A lot of the reaction I saw was negative. A lot of people just could not believe that 
Jones had signed such a huge ticket, you know, 9.5 million per season. Just like what I said a little while ago, right-hand defensemen are valuable, and he is a complete defenseman. He's a superior athlete. Yes, he had a tough season, but before then, everyone was singing his praises, saying that he's a Norris Trophy winner, and and you know, I just don't understand the negative sentiment now. Yes, I understand. Big ticket. Lots of years. But this guy can, you know, he's such a good athlete. Maybe, you know, he's not going to age like butter. So, I feel fine about this deal. And Chicago, they needed a solid right-hand defenseman. They haven't been the same since Brent Seabrook hit his decline. And now you have Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook off of your cap. Allocated towards one of the best players we have going right now, Seth Jones. He's one of the top American defensemen. I have no problem with this. It, it, it's a, I'm not going to say it's a steal for Chicago. And, yes, it's tough losing Adam Boquist. And, yeah, you lose quite a bit on the draft side of things. I get that. But – you're acquiring Seth Jones, and it wasn't that long ago that everyone thought he was one of the best defensemen on the planet. By the way, the picks that went with Chicago from Columbus included their first-round pick this year and a 2022 sixth-round pick. So it wasn't like Chicago was getting nothing just for Seth Jones. They got a couple other things with him, just in case it doesn't for some reason work out. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see how that works out. By the way, like I said, Jake Bean also going to Chicago as well. So the blue line there is going to be a little bit better next year in the Windy City as they got him for a 2022 second-round pick. That was Carolina's. That Once again, we talked about how that came all around. Alexi Hino-Salmi, uh, who played for Asat in Liga, was the draft pick taken there. The one that sent the entire Pacific Northwest into a frenzy, Connor Garland and Oliver ekman Larson to Vancouver for Antoine Roussel. Thank God that contract's gone. To Jay Beagle, and thank God that contract's gone. Louis Erickson, thank God that contract is gone. And a 2021 first, which ended up being Dylan Gunther, a 2022 second, 2023 seventh, all of those being Vancouver's picks going back to Arizona. I Vancouver had a weird year last year. COVID obviously wrecked them sideways. We saw that with Dallas, saw that a couple other teams. COVID really hindered some teams of their possible potential. They still have guys like Pedersen. They still have Brock Besser. Bo Horvat's still a solid captain. Thatcher Demko is looking like the goaltender of the future, even though Brain Holpe is still there. I tell you, this Vancouver team, it's its like Jim Benning realizes this, similar to Mark Bergevin, it's this year or bust. Well, and it's weird how this all worked out that Jim Benning traded all of his Albatross contracts all in one fell swoop. Get rid of Beagle, get rid of Erickson, get rid of Roussel. All in the same deal. And I was wondering, like, why in the world are you doing this if you're the Arizona Coyotes? And then someone, I don't know who it was, uh, maybe Pierre Lebrun just said, oh, look at the Coyotes just expanding on their draft capital. It's like, ah, light bulb above the head. Yes, they're going to go from a retirement home to a daycare. Yep, that's that's the best one. And I I tell you, well, first of all, Bill Armstrong is the best GM in the league. Let's not forget that, folks. Because um, <laughs> remember, they're a family there in Arizona. Family-oriented man. Yeah, that's what it is down there. And poor, and I guarantee you, Jay Beagle heard that. And he's like, crap, we got to go there. Now, listen, Arizona, that's why I think the Central is going to be weird next year because Arizona. But it's I a think, dry mediocrity. It's a dry mediocrity. Oh, yeah, it's a dry. Yeah, there's no humidity down there. Come on. It's 
99 degrees is 99 degrees. I don't care if it's humid or not. It's hot. It's not. But, I mean, I don't know with Arizona now. Like, are they back to the Arizona that we all scream is going to move to Quebec City now? Or are they just going to hang around and be annoying that we have to see them on the schedule every so often? They're just going to be the easy W for the next couple of years, it looks like, until they get all these kids, unless they all turn into Lawson Krauss 2.0. Oh, gosh. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's something going on there. Maybe they're uh, trying to be the second Ottawa. Well, I don't know, because Ottawa looks promising now. Like, Ottawa said they were going to be bad on purpose, and but they still have, like, Phil Kessel. They still have Clayton Keller locked up for a long time. They still haven't done anything with Darcy Kemper. And who was looked at possibly being, possibly being a player that can move somewhere. Like I, I don't know what Arizona is supposed to be, but on the other side you get Vancouver. This and they're in the Pacific Division, which I keep saying maybe the easiest to win next year. Oh, pardon me, the easiest to finish second in because I think Vegas will take it easily. But you still have all the California teams who are, I don't know. Like San Jose is going to be bad. L.A. may. You know, they kind of had a scare there that they were towards a playoff spot, but then they tailed off. But there's Edmonton, who will be up there. Calgary, if they don't improve, will be another mediocre team. There's a chance that Vancouver, if they can get their stuff together, they may be a team contending for the top four spots. And I apologize because you had asked me about Vancouver to begin with. Gosh darn it, Peyton. I ask you for knowledge. I want answers. They played well in the bubble, and then... You know, they were virtually the same team last season. You wonder what went wrong. Maybe the juju from having the Sprite can jerseys. That's probably but a thing as well. That's a They got a solid group. They got Pedersen. They have uh, JT Miller. Now you get Connor Garland, who was one of the most sought-after uh, trade chips. And now that, that looks to be a steal for Vancouver. And I'm not I'm, – I'm still, I think – Oliver Ekman Larson's a fine defenseman. He just hit a sour point, and he needed a change of scenery. But I think, for one, he's your replacement for Alex Edler. Right. And that's a hell of a replacement yeah. for him. I, Vancouver, I think they got something going on here. If Demko can keep playing well, we'll see what they do for the backup because apparently they're trying to get rid of Brayden Holtby by any means necessary. I think you got a point. This is a team that can easily, easily contend for second in the yeah. Pacific. Now, if they were in the Central Division, that may be a different story. We'll talk about that a little bit more and we kind of give like our weird pre-free agent preview on the division because actually it's Hawaii Hawaii would have two teams by the time Vancouver was in the Central, but I digress. Well, no, I'm, I'm talking how um, how Arizona kind of ties in. I, I had a whole segue there and it just didn't. <laughs> it, it came out oddly. We have was, teams in Tijuana now. Well, that's what I'm, yeah, we have teams in Tijuana, Mexico and all that. And you know what? Maybe Saskatoon finally gets a team. Who knows? Um, By God. Shit. Now, here's the best trade. This is why Arizona, I know that they're doing this weird thing with the draft. Because you mentioned the draft picks. They get two picks from Philadelphia. One was actually a pick from St. Louis they acquired earlier. 2022 second and 2022 seventh. And Shane Gostisbehere which is literally a cap dump by the Philadelphia Flyers. But I think the best part in this whole trade, not just because Arizona is bolstering up their cap, and their, not their cap, but their their draft picks after you know having to forfeit a bunch due to stupid protocols that I guess for some reason they just they're a family but they are not a thinking family. <laughs> the best part in all this was all the graphics I saw, Peyton. There were <laughs> pick 
where they got Gossespair, two picks, and Philadelphia receives cap space or blank, just nothing, future considerations. And, and I, I get that. Like, Philly doesn't want anything. Like, you know what? Here, give here's these two picks. It's the deal that Toronto did with Patrick Marlowe. They put a first-round pick and another pick in there and sent him down to Carolina for the sole cause of a buyout because they couldn't buy him out themselves due to all the crazy contracts that the Leafs have. They do it with Gosses Bear here, and now it's it's for me, it was just kind of funny to see the graphic like that, but that's true. Philly's trying to get better, and Gosses Bear is on the downturn, so why not free up some space by giving them to someone completely else and get them out of our sight? And like I said, they, they picked up all those Albatross contracts, and I had to check their cap friendly because the rumor was that they were still trying to get cr- over the floor Again. of the cap. Which now I look at it, they have about nineteen million, nineteen point five million in cap space, and they have thirty-one of fifty roster spots taken up, uh, of contracts taken up. So, and maybe there's going to be a couple of guys that come off that list and go to LTIR, so that maybe they get even more space. But um, well, and, and the funny thing too with the Andrew Ladd trade. Oh yeah, nothing goes back in return. And like, wait, is that legal? You can't. You have to make a trade. There's two hands, and I forgot. Oh yeah, there is something called nothing. It's called future future considerations. considerations. Well, people, and it's it's a dryer. A dryer, yeah. It's what? What was the? What was the trade they made in Semi Pro for Woody Harrelson's character? They sent a dryer and a couple things to the team to get him or something like that. It's really better a washing machine. One of those big. One of those GE appliances or something like that. Well, the funny thing is, is people forget this. You know, everyone looks at Chris Draper as, you know, this Red Wing legend and whatnot. Got to see him actually at the U18s uh, down there in Texas. People forget that he was traded from the Winnipeg Jets to the Detroit Red Wings. Honest to goodness, Jimmy Devolano, I don't know what kind of, how bad it was there in Winnipeg, but they got him for a dollar in future considerations. Honestly, one whole dollar to get Chris Draper to the Red Wings. It was the, it, I still look at that trade and I'm like, the NHL in the 90s was weird, man. You're just, I wonder, because it was it now, here's the big question, Peyton. I don't know this, but I'd be loved to, it'd be kind of funny to look at this. Was it an American dollar or a Canadian dollar? Because mm. mm. that's 25 and cents. What was Canadian the exchange rate back then? Oh, I, I'm going to try to look that up, but I love, I love to look at that. And I'm like, that's the most dumb trade ever because Chris Draper ends up being part of the grind line, four time Stanley Cup champion. Winnipeg Jets, they went to Phoenix and they became a family. Well, and you look at the Gretzky trade. That was what Jelena and Jimmy Carson, Jimmy Carson, and a crap ton of cash. Couple other guys and fifteen million dollars. Yeah. Oh, and Marty McSorley went with Gretzky. People forget that too. So technically, LA got two pieces because I'm sure Gretzky said, "If you want to trade me, you really don't have anyone to protect me. Can I bring Marty with me?" <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Well, I guess you can't you can't trade money now because of the salary cap. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I'm just spitballing here, but I suppose that's what retaining cap space is for. It's, it's like kind of the same thing, I suppose. Yeah, you pay for a certain amount. Like that's and that was the thing. And I that's the story as uh, as the old as old as time. As Peter Pocklington was in cash, you know, cash strapped, didn't want to pay Gretzky or didn't want to lose Gretzky for nothing. So let's get some money. Let's get some players for him. And you know what? Yes, the Oilers did win in 1990, and then everybody left, and they stunk after that. So I guess it just works out perfectly in that form. Uh, a couple other trades worth mentioning. Um, where am I at? A couple a trade that happened today. Christian Daros went to New Jersey, signs a one-year extension. San Jose receives Nick Merkley, who was a pretty good junior player in his time. 
The other big one from this past week, well, two, I guess, Sammy, if you want to consider Sammy Blaze going to the Rangers for Pavel Buchnevich, Sammy Blaze given up another opportunity there for a team that's looking like a possible contender there in that Metro division, Alex Nadelkovich to Detroit. This one came out of left field, if you ask me, and I think, of course, Stevie Eisman puts it the best. Paraphrasing here saying he's not sure why they made him available. Because here's the thing. Now the Hurricanes have no starting goaltender signed because it still sounds like Peter Morazic is going to be on the market to go elsewhere. Still a possibility of James Reimer going elsewhere. Now, granted, James Reimer's a little bit older. So in Adelkovich, yes, his career numbers in the American League and his time before this year in the, in the NHL were not the greatest, but you need a goaltender there, Tommy Dundon. Why do, why do you think Nadelkovich was made available and now the Detroit Red Wings have a, presumably, a decent goaltender? And you look at how well he played in the opening round matchup against Nashville. Yep. And how he held Carolina in, in some games through some some deep overtimes. This is, uh, this is a brain fart of a move for Carolina. I don't know what the deal is with them. And the funny thing was, it was like, oh, God, Carolina doesn't want to pay them him $3.5 million. That's the sticking point. And Carolina doesn't agree to it. And then he signs for three in Detroit. Yep. It just makes you shake your head. Like, why? That's a, he's not exactly a, well, I guess he kind of is a blue chip, but. It, it took him a long, yes, it took him a long time to develop. But I, my thing is, he is, he, I mean, you need a goaltender for cheap. And I think Peter Morazic may want to raise, or, you know, he is getting older. And for me, as good as he, is has been with Carolina the last couple of years. For me, it's like, all right, when's he going to falter? When's he going to blow up and have his problems again? And this is, I, I get it. People have tried to defend Carolina and say, oh, they're not a cheap team. They don't like to, they're not a team that holds money. They don't try to be thrifty. They don't try to be Dutch with their money. Like, look at these trade. Like, they're going to lose Dougie Hamilton for nothing. They gave up Jake Bean for just about nothing, who they thought they were going to lose in the expansion draft, anyways. Yeah, I, I hate to correct you. He went to Columbus, not Chicago. But that's okay. Columbus, sorry. My apologies. Columbus. That's, that's all right. Um, but they lost. They, yes, they got a little bit for him, but they gave up him. And I mean, this is looking like a depleted team. And yes, they have still, they have guys like, you know, they still have Martinuk who didn't get picked up. Marty Nate is still there. And they still have Aho and Sveshnikov. You need a goaltender. And you may have just given up your best one because the kid's confident now and he may tail off a little bit next year. But if he's still a capable NHL goaltender with a team you most likely have in front of you, like Carolina, I don't want to throw a hot take out here yet because the free agency is still around the corner, starts Wednesday. But is this a team that might miss the playoffs next year if they can't figure out their their team woes right now, at least the offseason here? And this was a team with so much promise. We thought this team was on the up and up. Surprised they only made it to the second round. They would have gone probably to the conference finals if they played anyone that wasn't named the Tampa Bay Lightning. Or $18 million over the cap, yeah. As Dougie mm, Hamilton yeah, kindly yeah. said. Mm, yeah. Uh, hey, everyone can do it. Just no one has the money to do it. <laughs> yeah, you're going into your postseason with no goalies. Absolutely none. Your last defensemen are Jacob Slavin and Brett Pesci. You, you're losing half your defense core. What are you doing, Carolina? Defense wins championships, don't you know? By the way, I should, forgot to mention what went in that trade. Nadelkovich came over to Detroit, um, and Carolina received Jonathan Bernier's signing rights, 
A 2021 third that was from Vegas that came from the Thomas Tatar trade, which ended up being Hayden Hareschuk, who came from the national pro- the U.S. National Development Program. Uh, but you have three goaltenders that are all unrestricted free agents, and all signs are pointing that you're not going to sign any of them. I am sorry. Uh, the Leafs Toronto learned this. Jonathan Bernier is not a starting goaltender, so if you have any inclination, Don Waddell, of signing him, for the love of all that's holy, do not do that. For my brother's sake, Captain of the Crusades, he's probably peeing himself every time he sees Tommy Dundon or Don Waddell say something dumb like this because I, this team, I we all thought, I said this myself, I'm like, hey, this team is no longer the underdog. This team is a good hockey club. This team can do something here. And now they're looking like a team that's going to struggle to get a wild card spot next year. Yeah, I, that would have been a terrible trade even if Bernie had a contract. Yeah. It's one of the, it, I think it's going to go down as one of the worst trades in recent memory. Uh, when's the last time we saw a trade that left us this confused? Brandon Saad for Artemi Panarin. Okay, I'll take that. <laughs> that yeah. That's okay, one that always I'll, comes I'll to my that. mind. At least Brandon Saad had a contract and he had at least a little bit of promise. I, I still look at that and I'm just like, man, that's that's rough. Yeah. And I, and I, you know what? If Nadelkovic puts up and now Grant will be playing for Detroit, so I think we should all consider his performance next year, put it maybe an asterisk next to it. But if he comes up with a four, six goals against average, then yes, we can say that that may not have been the worst move by the Hurricanes. However, that said, what does Carolina do here? Because like I said, I mean, free agency starts on Wednesday here, Peyton. And yes, there are plenty of goaltenders available this year. But who goes where? Who sees what? Does anyone, I mean, because it seems like, and I've listened to Hockey Central all the time, and Justin Bourne says it pretty consistently, Carolina puts a budget just or a cap just about on every single thing that they expend, spend money on. You're going to have to pay a good chunk of money here to get a goaltender from somewhere else, let alone try to re-sign the ones that you have in your system. There are no, there's just no answers. There, unless they want, I guess, what, Auntie Ranta? You want uh, Auntie Ranta to be your starting goaltender when you're a team with high aspirations? Ranta's good. He just can't stay healthy. Well, okay, so right. looking at some of the, let's I'm looking at some of the goaltenders here that are available. I don't know. I haven't heard anything on the Boston camp for Tuka Rask or Yarrow Halak. Both are obviously five year old Yarrow Halak. Thirty four year old Tuka Rask. There is Frederick Anderson, but he's trying to get something north of five mil. And like I said, Tommy Dundon tells Don Waddell what he can and cannot spend. So we'll just have to wait and see on that. There is the whole thing with Philip Grubauer in Colorado after after the Kale McCartry here. And there's obviously even, even that I don't feel good about. I, I, I'm not sold on Philip Grubauer. I have a starting goaltender. I know he shows his flash of brilliance. And yes, he, he showed at times the last couple of years where he can steal games. And I'm like, at what point do you say that he is your guy? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. like he they're obviously going with him, but I'm like, he's never impressed me enough to be a number one solidified goaltender. Other goaltenders that are available, here we go. Ready for these names? There's Brian Elliott, because there hasn't been a whole lot of word yet on Philly re-signing him. They've been looking elsewhere. Elias Sorokin sounds like he's gonna be staying with the Islanders. I don't see why he wouldn't. The tandem worked so well last year. Lorraine Bassoit of Winnipeg, I don't know if he's going to resign there. I think if Carolina gives him the right amount of money. But then again, we've seen Carolina go after backup goaltenders before, and Anton Hudoba did not work out at all. Let's remember that. Um, <laughs> there's, there's Carter Hutton available. There you go. There's a name you can go after. There's Linus Allmark. There's Anders Nielsen if you want to go on Buffalo train wrecks. There you go. I I don't know. I 
Ilya Samsonov, maybe if if I mean Washington, I think has to keep him after losing Vitek Vanasek. But there's goaltenders available, but the good ones that are available, you're going to have to spend money on unless you can convince Peter Morazic to to get a certain number. But it sounds like he doesn't want to do that. Yeah, sounds like you might want to uh, hold on to your young goalie that helped your team make the play. Oh, never mind. They traded. Oh, darn it! Dang it! Gosh, and, and that's I. I don't know. I and I'm looking at. I'm trying to look at, and this is so hard with this flat cap this year, of teams that want to make moves, make splashes in free agency, like it always happens. But I don't know who can and who will. There are teams with massive cap space, i.e., Seattle, who, like I said, they they may get some. They'll have to get some players, and I wonder what they're going to do and how much they're going to spend. But what team out there is going to make a big move on Wednesday, Peyton? I I don't know. They're because the teams that are supposed to be contenders next year that can fine-tune are Vegas, Tampa, the Leafs, teams that have zero cap space already, let alone after they try all the LTIR and cap circumvention nonsense they want to try. Who do you think, looking at what's available, what players are available, and what teams have cap space, who makes a who makes the big move on Wednesday? Well, when I look at my hometown team, the Nashville Predators, I think they are going to go after a name up front. And there's been rumors of them trying to sign Gabriel Landeskog, which whoever gets him clearly will overpay for him. It'd be the, it'd, it would be the David Poyle thing to do. Give it, Matt Duchesne eight years. Be. But the thing is, he, he knows it now. He's very he, – when I've heard him speak the last couple of weeks, I've been kind of shocked with, with some of the words he's used. He seems to be pretty self-aware of what's gone on the past couple of years. So I, I think Nashville does try to acquire, like I said, I think they try to acquire a name, somebody that can kind of somewhat reinvigorate the franchise. Maybe Gabriel Landeskog. Oh, boy, I don't know about the trade-in for a Vladimir Tarasenko, but I think they at least try to do something like that, too. They're going to do something up front. And then there was a rumor that came out right before the show that they were going to try to sign Ryan Getzlaff, which, I mean, that's kind of like, okay, pass up to the wing, and I'll be there in five minutes. Just hey. give me a minute. It's it's like they say with Joe Thornton, Ryan Getzlaff. He may not be young spry chicken, but he can he can pass the puck. That's what that's that's uh that's their thing. Competitive rebuild. If you want to sign a thirty six year old center, it honestly it feels kind of like when Columbus signed Miko Koivu. So <laughs> we'll see with that. I think the Predators. You know, anytime they go after a big name, they usually fall short and they have to sell for someone in the middle. I would still think that even though the rumor has been pretty hot with Seattle, that they might get Jaden Schwartz. But, that, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Or Brandon Sod. That wouldn't be half bad. It'd at least be a little bit better than Victor Arvidsson on one leg. But um, maybe he'll be healthy next year. Maybe. It is interesting, though. It, it, it's hard to – if Colorado loses Landis Scott, they've also lost Eunice Donskoy. That's a team that's going to have to reload a little bit. But then again, they still have Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen and Kale McCarr. And, oh yeah, <laughs> I mean they're and they're they're still going to be a good team. If you still have cat or cup aspirations, you at least got to replace one of those guys. You can't go in because, to my knowledge, their forward depth as far as pure talent on guys coming in, you know, they have more young defenders coming in than they do young promising forwards. To my small knowledge of that, but. I'm still I still sit here and I think to myself. They're, I honestly don't think Colorado's going to do anything simply because of one reason and one reason alone. 
They are two years away from Nathan McKinnon's contract ending. Mm. And you and listen, unless for some reason something happens the next two years, and I knock on wood and hope nothing does happen to him, because boy, that's going to be a twenty million dollar contract or like or like fifteen million. Like this guy is going to be double digits, Nathan McKinnon. I don't think anyone's questioning that, and I would be terrified if I was Joe Sackick, realizing what could happen in a couple of years if you don't play your numbers right and you're realizing that the inevitable may happen where you may lose Nathan McKinnon if you don't have the right amount of cap space. Now, they're not going to, now I say this, I, before you say anything, I know they're not going to let that happen, but Sackick has to be watching his pennies in his pocket. I'll just say one thing, and one thing only, it'll be short. They'll be fine if my hot take comes true. If the cap goes up in two years, hey, it's, it's all right. Everything's good in Colorado. It's $12 million, Everybody and we were skiing. able to keep Landeskog. Do you, okay, let's let's. what do you think about Landeskog? Where, where are his chances of staying in Colorado? What do you think, percentage-wise? If he is set on his own number, if he thinks he's worth over $7 million, he may have to look elsewhere for that. It's tough. It's really tough for a guy like Landeskog because he is a good player, but... Is he still, I mean, he, and yes, he's an effective player. He's a point producer. But look at the, the type of contracts. Like Miko Randon gets 9.25. You're seeing 9 mil given to Kale McCarr. I mean, they have to worry about signing Andre Burakovsky in a year, which is 4.9 mil, and I think he's going to get a pay raise. You're going to have to, I mean, he does deserve a pay raise, no question about it, but if he wants to stay on this team, and I say this all the time with so many different players, I say they need to find a way to understand that. And this is why I have such a problem with the Leafs with guys like Mitch Marner and Zach Hyman, what we're going to see here. Guys that say, oh, I love playing for my hometown team. Then show it. Show that you want to be here. And Landis Gog, the captain of this team, if you want to stay in Colorado, show that you want to stay in Colorado and take a pay cut. Play for seven mil or six and a half or whatever Sackick's offering. Because listen, if you want to stay a part of this group, it's going to cost you. Because yes, Landis Gog could easily make eight, nine mil somewhere else. I think some team would be dumb enough to pay him that. St. Louis. St. Louis, 100%. I honestly, I think that's where he's going. I think he goes to St. Louis. I would not be shocked. I talked with Laura Storian about a couple weeks ago, and she mentioned, like, Landis Scott wouldn't be an awful get. We'd pay a lot of money for him, but you need a center to help out support Ryan O'Reilly, especially if Tarasenko's going down the pooper like he is. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough draw for, for a guy like Gabriel Landeskog. And I, it's the Central Division next year, when you know, I talked with Pat Michelet and Laura story before that, it's going to be different. Not just because it's A, back to normal, but, you know, I mean, let me know what your thoughts here, Peyton. Where do you see Nashville at this moment before the madness that happens on Wednesday, how they match up the rest? Because I still think, you know, despite losing Ryan Suter to buyout, I think Minnesota is still going to be a competitive team. Winnipeg, if they can keep it together, may be decent. Dallas, I think if they can just, you know, not, you know, avoid COVID, I think they'll be, I think they could have been a team that should have been in the playoffs last year. So a team that needs a goalie too. Right. And I mean, Anthony Obama's getting older. Now, granted, Ben Bishop was not going to be there anyways. He, he's a, he's made a glass at this point. He, you can't put him back together. Well, I guess you're going to go with Ottinger. So, I mean, Ottinger is a capable backup. I, like I said, they, they were in it towards the end. Nashville ended up eking it out. A couple big wins there to down the stretch. But I think if Dallas doesn't have COVID problems and actually get in a rhythm, I think they make the playoffs. You're going to see Chicago, and it seems like Chicago is trying to be better. St. Louis is going to be in And then, of course, there's Colorado in this division. I mean, what do you think, Peyton? Where, how do you think the Central's shaping up this year? It may be one of the toughest divisions to play in, in the NHL. It'll, 
the Preds' success will depend on, and this is what it came down to last season. They struggled out of the gate. Well, that too. The youth movement. And that's why Poyle has come up with this competitive rebuild because he saw what it was to put younger players in the lineup. And, I mean, they were stripped down to playing guys like Tyler Lewington and uh, Matthew Olivier. And then that's where Tanner Janot came from. And we found out that, hey, this guy can be a stud. He's got some potential. A guy that's come out of nowhere, another rags-to-riches guy. But now that you're going to see a guy like Philip Tomasino, you know, you need someone that's going to play second-line center. It looks like that's not going to be Matt Duchesne. And I thought Tomasino was just a right winger. Hey, it turns out he does play center. You got Cody Glass coming in. John Hines has been a polarizing figure in Nashville, I think. To, and from my from the naked eye, it seems like he works pretty well with the, with the well, not so much with the veterans, but he's pretty good with the young guys, and that's what this team's going to be built on. So that's a team that, at the very least, I think will contend for the for the uh, for the wild card. What Chicago, Nashville's not going to win the division? Okay, let's see. Now you're making me think. Yeah, okay, you did name off every team and, and their respective problems. Maybe if things don't fall apart in Colorado, I got to think they're going away the best team. St. Louis is one of those teams that's just like, what the hell are you? You know, Tory Krug's a fine defenseman, but you lost Alex Petrangelo and things have not been the same under the arch. So that's a team that's still trying to figure out who they are. Of course, the and, whole Tarasenko saga and... Ryan O'Reilly is like, I can't do this all by myself down the middle. It's and Bennington is Bennington. Psychopath. <laughs> by the way, COVID took away many things, right? Yes. Many things. Yes. It also took away the Jordan Bennington, Justin Bieber shootout. Dude, could you imagine? Oh my God. Could you imagine if, because here's the thing. I think Bennington is so mentally rattled. I get it. He did everything he could in that series against Colorado. They had no shot to begin with. <laughs> could you imagine if Bieber scores? Mm. Like, Bennington would probably lose. You thought Carey Price during practice was bad, losing his mind? Bennington would probably try to attack him. Like, you would need literally like Colt Nor out there to protect Justin Bieber from going from getting attacked by Jordan Bennington if he scored. Like, honestly. Because Bennington is that crazy. I still think if Devin Dubnik got a hold of him, that Devin Dubnik would have gave him what for? Give it two years. I think we're going to see a pay-per-view of Jordan Bennington and Jake Paul. <laughs> I will. Oh, boy. Psych- well, here's the thing. This is why I need Jordan Bennington to actually fight somebody. Like, someone needs to actually fight him because I want to see if he actually can hold his own. He's not all talk. Because everything I've seen, everything I've watched, he seems like the kind of guy that just yammer yammers as much as possible. But as soon as someone drops the glove, he panics. Like, he couldn't hold it. But if he could, because, like, that's the difference in him. Like, oh, my gosh, he's like Ron Hextall. He's crazy. I'm like, no, Ron Hextall would drop the gloves and fight him. Jordan Bennington just seems like the kind of a kid on the playground that lost his kickball to his friend, and he's going to mope about it and push some and try to bully someone and giving it back, but it won't work. Jesse Ventura would call him a chicken hawk. A chicken. I tell you, Gorilla, he's a chicken hawk. A chicken hawk. He's a bad goaltender on a on the St. Louis Blues. Everyone's favorite Minnesota governor, Jesse the Body Ventura. Go wild. Gosh almighty. Je- I'll tell you. Kevin Fiala. 
I, I would I would pay to watch because, well, let's be honest, Minnesota Wild fans, they know this as well. They have like 20 different guys that do color commentary during the season for Fox Sports North, <laughs> or excuse me, Bally Sports North. Are we bringing back the XFL or <laughs> hockey style? Jesse the Body Ventura. Well, here's I like with, their I like their, I like Anthony Pla- uh, Laplanta that does the games for them. I'm just telling you though, you got to get hate Jesse. Anthony Laplanta. Sorry, sorry, Anthony, if you're watching this. Oh man, of course you are. You're one of the yeah. Hey, Ken Daniels, whatever. But gosh, forbid. I will say okay. Can I say this though? I know I give this guy harp off the screen a lot, but can we just not John Butchergrass say that this kid is sick? Can I? Can we not do that during the broadcast this year, next season, please? Can Can we just not? I I know I like the idea of having a new school mentality with hockey, but having your play by play play broadcaster say, "Dude, this kid is sick." Like, and what was up with his call when Massachusetts won the championship? And he would say, "Look out! Look out!" What was What was that? <sighs> It was during the final horn and everybody was pouring off the bench. What was, well, I don't understand. I, I don't know. I do not know. The Minutemen reference. Look, yeah. Like, oh, the, the, do you need to yell? The British are coming or something. I don't know. I, I don't look know. out the Tampa Bay lightning win their third Stanley cup, please for the love of goodness. And uh, in a row, sorry. it will be the fourth. I, I don't, oh man, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Because I'm trying to think. I look at the ESPN lineup next year. Who's going to be the who's calling the Stanley Cup final? You know, you know who it is. Butcher, Butcher, Leah. Give me Butcher Gross. Yes, you know it's going to be him. Can someone else then do the Frozen Four? Give someone else a chance then if he's going to get the NHL. There was a guy that I don't know his name. Um, he's kind of got a big voice, but. He did some college hockey for them, so I guess he would probably take over the Frozen Four because he wasn't part of the uh, big lineup. I can't think of names right now. There is a guy that they brought in, and he did college football, and now he's got to be one of the NHL announcers. Yeah, I saw that too, and I'm like, does he have hockey experience? Because yeah. that's why, like, for me, that's why Kenny Albert, I can, I can stand. Because he, Kenny Albert is very versatile. I will say this. I've been actually, because he's just been doing beach volleyball for, for NBC during the Olympics. Actually, not too bad. Oh, I didn't know that. That's amazing. He, I, now, see, that's why I wonder, because they have, um, NBC for softball has the crew that does the col- the Women's College World Series. And, um, oh, heck, I always forget her name. Help me out, Peyton. The girl that does college football all the time. Yeah. Oh, uh, Beth Mowens. Yes, Beth Mo. Yeah, she. I think she's been doing some of the games. I wonder how many of these broadcasters have like these independent contracts because Kenny Albert, I'm pretty sure, calls mm-hmm. games for literally every major network, and he's going to be going on TNT next year. He's calls the NFL on Fox. He does NBC. He's going to be doing TNT. The only thing I have never heard him on is CBS. <laughs> That's like the only and now one. I'm trying to rack my brain and see. I'm trying to think if his if his dad was ever on CBS. He showed up on Letterman a couple times, but. Marv, um, no, wild and wacky. Uh, Marv Albert. Uh, no, he did a game for NBC, yes. TNT. Um, no, I, I will say this: I am bummed that Marv. I know he's retiring, but I'm bummed that he's not the one doing the men, the U.S. men's basketball games. I will say that I'm a little bummed. I, I would have given it to Marv. Like, you know what? This is your last hurrah, man. Call them losing to France in the first game. One more time. Have a free trip to Japan on us. 
I, I will say that. Well, I will say this. Brendan Burke has been doing rowing. That is, uh, yeah. that's interesting. And Alex, Alex Faust has been doing soccer and he's been doing okay. Um, I, I'll tell you, they, they are, they're sports specific on a few guys, but then there's a couple hours like, all right, these guys have been working for us. Go do this sport guys. It's, it's interesting. I, I will say this I next think about the, Oh, sorry. Oh no, go ahead. You go ahead. I was, I was about to change something. I, was I think back to the nineties when CBS brought in Ken Squire to do bicycling, short track bicycling. Oh man. Yeah. Ken, Ken Squire. What a, well, I remember when he, cause he used to, he always did the baseball games back when CBS had the baseball deal. And he was there when I know he didn't call the 93 world series, but he called the 92 world series. Or at least he oh, was. I think he you're was getting your names mixed up. His wire was the NASCAR guy. Who am I thinking of then? Oh no, he's with the mustache. Oh crap. Um. Well, Ken Squire doing cycling makes sense. Oh, who am I thinking of now? Mustache, glasses. He had a sex scandal. I can't remember now. Oh. If you saw the face, you probably recognize that. Uh, well, Ken Squire makes sense though. Now I remember the. Na- I got the names mixed up, but Ken Squire makes sense because he's a racing guy. That's that's the only thing I can think of with Ken Squire. I'm trying. When was because what? I'm sorry. I, I know we got sidetracked. I can't think of your guy, but um, it's or, Pat, was Pat, he the one after Jack Buck? Is what is that what you're saying? No, no, he didn't do play by play. He was like a host. Um, oh, hold on, CBS Pat Pat O'Brien. No, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it at all. That's the Red Sox guy, I think. Gosh Almighty! No, it is not. It is not Pat McAfee. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Pat Pat Micheletti. It's not Pat Micheletti. Um, Second time I've alienated him on this show. Uh, Pat o- is it Pat O'Brien? I think it's Pat O'Brien. No, what the hell? I you I know, don't know the guy. I mean, you're probably right. I don't know. If you see the name, if you saw the face, you maybe you maybe recognize it. No, um, Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee calling wrestling is has been interesting. To I see the clip sometimes and. He just seems like a guy that's happy to be there. Pat McAfee is, can we just say that if there's a guy right now that is, is there a media guy, media sports media guy that's, I don't say the word polarized in Pat McAfee, but who is just gaining steam with a certain demographic and is eventually going to be everywhere in like two years? No, I think he's it. I, I think about that. He, he did a phenomenal job that first weekend for Fox. Uh, Fox NFL, we see he delivers a dime into the end zone. He well, because I know he did a couple games. I remember he did the one Thursday night Fox game that they had. Um, he was on college game day for a little bit. He was doing rest. He's doing the WB now. I mean, like, I I don't know. There's been a guy that's been so cross platform like he has been, because like he can just go and do whatever it seems like now. Man, just from small times to being a punter to all of a sudden being talked like he talks about the olympics whatever in his show i know he, he's not the biggest hockey guy so maybe that's why we don't give him as much credit as we as we can but he's been doing let's give him luck because he was a barstool guy but he left because he left because he realized the writing was all the light he saw the, yeah there was a there was a light all right and he realized this is a bad idea guys and he went on to his own thing and he's making a lot of money doing it and it's it's good for him and Maybe you know what we got. Maybe we should get him on here, Peyton. You and I should talk to him and bring him on just to talk hockey. Maybe instruct him so by the time next season comes around, he can be well versed. Just in case ESPN comes calling and say, "Pat, we need you to do something with hockey. 
We're gonna we're gonna edumacate him. See if he's a big hockey guy, as they say. Well, I'll tell you, he he was right on one thing. Tristan Jari is not a good starting goaltender. <laughs> that was the one mm. thing he was right about on Twitter when Jari uh, did not have a good series against the Islanders. So, oh man, I think we talked ourselves out of everything we can talk about, Peyton. Unless you have something crazy to bring up that I don't know about. Did something happen on Twitter in the last hour? Did you go to Berlin? I, for what, the Arca race or? Yeah. I did not. I missed out on it. I oh. wasn't called to do it. I was I was shocked. But then again, I realized Arca actually had their own crew this time. Because uh, the last time they came to Berlin, they had to reschedule a race. So we got to do it ourselves, which was pretty fun. But I did. I had a, friend, a couple of friends of mine. I did watch it. It was it was a good race. Uh, the kid, the Chicago kid, the youngster, getting his chance in the limelight. Um, no, it's Berlin's so interesting because what is your take on the no wall on the backstretch? Uh, it's a death trap. You'd be surprised. It just ha- like all that happens is cars get muddy. It's fun to see them why, because why do they bother having turns with lines on them when nobody drives on it? Everybody just drives on the flat on the apron. Uh, it's cause it's, it's funny. That's why I love watching Arca guys coming. Cause they try to think, Oh, you just drive around here whatever. And that's it. And no, it's like, Nope. You have to cut below the apron and jump up the track and not hit the wall. Or you actually tickle. If you do the line correctly, according to the drivers there, cause I've actually ridden in a car with a guy, you're supposed to touch your right front to the grass when you go up the back stretch and then come back down into three and four. And it's, it's the dumbest line ever. And that's why when I watch sprint cars do it, sprint cars can be fast, but they just don't know how to drive on the track because it's, it's, it's never a straightaway. It's, it's an, it's an egg. You just, you're always turning left the entire time. You're just turning left less when you're on the straightaway. It's, it's a fun track to be a part of and working there is fun. And I'll tell you, there've been a couple nights when I've seen four or five cars getting tangled coming out of two and you just see them all go up and they all go down the hill. They just disappear into this nothing. And I remember one time, it happened. We had three or four super late models, which is for those that aren't big racing fans. It's how the car looked in the the NASCARs looked in the nineties. That's how they looked. That's how they pretty much are. And they got entangled coming out of two and had just it rained all day. It stopped. I think about two o'clock in the afternoon. We dried up just in time for the race. But back there, it's all marsh, and you just see this massive, push, this massive puddle come flying off the back stretch. Old school race in Peyton. Short track racing at its finest at Berlin Raceway in Martin, Michigan. Splashdown. Bagels. Well, if you're the praying type, keep me in your prayers because I'm going to the Music City Grand Prix in two weeks. Oh, and boy. Let's just hope that nobody pulls a Dario Franchitti and flies through the fence. Oh, that would that, be bad. I don't know if you know this. They're actually going over a bridge two ways. They So that's what they used to do in the Grand Rapids Grand Prix. In Grand, and we ain't here in Grand Rapids. You actually had to drive over the Grand River. And this was back in the old cart days, the Dodge cart series days, because we actually made it on ESPN a couple times. And I remember looking back on the track, I'm like, how in the hell did no one die? <laughs> like get tangled up and spin out. And, and he is off to the Grand River near the Amway Hotel. That, gosh, that would have, it would have been certain. It, it, you know what? It, that course would have been perfect for the movie Driven. Oh, cars no, flying off. The, no, no, no. That movie is, gosh. All, and it's funny, like, I love looking at all, like, those are, like, the actual drivers. Like, there's a lot of those racing movies that make up names. There is a lot of the actual IndyCar drivers that, like, Tony Kanaan's in that movie and all this. And the, How in the world do they get the okay on that and thought this would have been a good idea? You need to listen to Dinner with Racers 
It's a great podcast. They had Paul Page, the former voice of the Indy 500 on there. Yep. He talks about the making of Driven and how terrible that movie is. Apparently he had to talk them. Remember the scene where the car goes flying out of the track and into the lake? Oh, yeah. The first draft, I'm not kidding. I might be hyperbolizing a little bit. The first draft was that the car goes into a playground. What? And apparently, like, kills children. That was the first draft. (laughs) I have to listen to this And Paul Page had to talk them out of it. Well, because remember, and now for those that have actually seen the movie, last thing here before we wrap things up here on the Kula Show tonight on 12 on Sports, they show, like, the before the final race in Detroit, they were showing how, like, everyone's getting ready and how intense this race is, whatever, and they show the drivers bringing their kids to a playground so they can, you know, they can, you know, they have the moms or whatever watch the kids while they're racing. Like, and that's actually a thing, too, because that was at the Grand Rapids Grand Prix, so they, because that's, they actually have those. So you're telling me that was going to happen? <laughs> I, yeah. I, I have to, I have to listen to this now because I'm going to listen to them while I'm playing while I'm editing things back because that just sounds too stupid. However, the way that movie played out, it would have made total sense. But that's so that's that's great. Oh man. Well, I would say this show ended just like the first round of the NHL draft, Tyler. Ended horribly. Just <laughs> good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. That's how we should do it. Oh, man, we've been chatting here once again with Peyton Turnage. Peyton, thanks again for sticking around for so long, as per usual, because I mean, you're gonna if you're going to be here for a long time, you're going to be here for a good time, right? That's right, baby. Now give me that C so I can patch it on here. You're going to have to fight Thomas Biondo for that one, unfortunately. Oh, boy. I know. I know it's – it's. I'll tell you. You talk about a pay-per-view event. That would be it. Thomas Biondo versus Peyton Turnage, two broadcasters going at it, one-on-one. Winner I'm a take not fire, Tyler. Uh, Peyton, make sure you guys follow him, by the way, at Peyton underscore Turnage. And by the way, if you're a bro- team looking for a broadcaster this year, Peyton Turnage is your guy. Don't let anyone tell you different, kids, because that's how it's going to be. Right, Peyton? I put a few feelers out there. We'll see if anybody picks up my resume. So far, no. So far, no. Hey, Tex, I'm sure Harrison's going to need a color guy this year. I'm pretty sure. Hey, I got a house now with a with a couple of spare bedrooms. If you ever need a place to stay, if you're going to come up to Michigan finally. Let's do, um, if they can swing it, let's do a trio broadcast. Oh, man. I, the old could. John Davidson days. Oh, man. Just have me go, oh, boy, yeah, J.D. Oh, that'll be something. All right. We got to wrap things up here. Coming up next is Talking Myers with the Rando here on 12 Ounce Sports. Peyton, thanks again, man. And we'll see you all next time here on The Kula Show.